Champs Lunch! Champs Lunch! What's up, buddy? Hey, hey, look. Hello and welcome to Chance Lunch, a showdown podcast from the host of Unlike It, Scott. I'm your host, Scott Harvey, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Scott Shelton. Uh, if you're listening to us on the podcast like you normally would, you probably won't notice that anything is different. Um, but uh, you may also be uh, be hearing our podcast, be viewing this a different way on the Feature Presentation Productions channel, um, where is going to be our new home on YouTube uh, for the foreseeable future. This is our first live stream over on there. Thank you to Tony Heald uh, for allowing us to, to make a new home here on Feature Presentations. And uh, hopefully uh, this will allow us to, to grow our show a little bit more. For those who haven't listened before, we've been doing this for about a year and a half um, we're on all podcast apps. If you want to go back and check out what we've been about the past, uh, you know, year and a half or so, you can, you can do that. Um, but, you know, a new era begins tonight. And we have a lot to talk about um, with all of the uh, trade news, transaction news, all of that going on. Um, and if you're in the chat, please, uh, you know, say some stuff in the chat. Discuss with us. Uh, I'll ask for some feedback. Um, at certain points in the show, um, and uh, yeah, we're, we're, let's have a good show. Scott, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. It's been a long few weeks, not just because of the quarantine, but with work. But I did have a project in today, and looking forward to a weekend where I don't have to think about work at all. And no better way to start that weekend than talking about the Schmodown. I think I've watched about four matches across the uh, both competitive, you know, singles teams matches that we're still getting from back before the pandemic started, as well as the exhibition matches to catch up and get ready for the podcast. But I can say that I'm fully caught up and ready to talk about anything and everything uh, that you, that you have for us today, Scott. How have you been doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. First of all, Leo's here. Hello, Leo. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've been doing good, just trying to keep up with everything that's going on in the, the Schmodown the past couple of days. I mean, yesterday alone was was pretty chaotic, and we'll get into that stuff here in just a minute. Um, but the deadline is officially closed for you being able to drop players, so hopefully we won't have any like breaking news or anything in the middle of the show. But you know, maybe, the, maybe that would be cool, actually. But it would be. Um, I mean, you also you also finished law school earlier this week, so. I did, yeah. on the back. A, a bit of an achievement, but I talked about it Wednesday when I was on Fantasy Film Fights on this channel, so I don't think people want to hear me go <laughs> on and on about it anymore, but You're um, right. never mind. why don't we get into to the Schmodown stuff, Scott, um, and let's start with these trades that have been going down, because I think that's what's on everybody's mind um, the, the past um, you know day or two. It's just been kind of watching Twitter, seeing what's going to happen. First off, yesterday, we got uh, the word in the middle of the afternoon from Christian that there was going to be some sort of a big trade announcement on the Schmodown rundown. Um, seemed to be making a pretty big deal about it. Um, and uh, so we we hopped on the Schmodown rundown yesterday, at least I did, and, and watched. Uh, and, you know, I, at the time you asked me, what do you think is going to happen? Who do you think this trade is going to be? And I just want to, you know, toot my own horn a little bit because I did say, I think Brandon Hanna is going to be moved uh, because of what happened with the Intergeekton tournament, right? We had the the pl players come out who are going to participate in this thing, and the Den had two people in there. They had Saul and Ben Goddard, but they didn't have uh, Brandon Hanna. And so it just feel, felt like this was the kind of tournament that Hanna needed to be in, uh, and therefore uh, he, he might demand a trade, right? He might ask to move 
somewhere so that he could participate in the tournament. And that's exactly what happened. He uh, has been traded to the Burning Droogs, and RMB, Robert Meyer Burnett, has traded James White, uh, his second-round pick, the, the player from the fan leagues, uh, has not played a match yet in uh, in the Schmodown. Um but, you know, well-known from the fan leagues. Obviously, Burnett had a lot of stock in him, making him a second pick. Uh, and so this was the trade. Uh, White, of course, was supposed to uh, participate in the Intergeekin tournament, but then his name was kind of taken off the list. He's definitely not going to now that he's part of the den. Scott, what are your thoughts on this trade? Who do you think got the better end of this? What do you think we can expect to see from both of these players for the rest of the season? Yeah, I'd say this was the point in the day where I thought, you know, the Bernie and Drugs were doing good things with the trades and Robert Meyer never there was was making some good trades because I, I do think that this is a, a good exchange for him. And I think, you know, James White, obviously, people were a little bit uh, surprised because of how much, um, you know, I should say how early he was taken in the draft. He was kind of really the first unknown taken in the, in the draft and Robert Meyer Burnett took him in the second round. I think that was a, a big surprise when when that happened and we were like well maybe he knows something that we don't he paired him up with ethan Irwin and teams or at least they were supposed to to be paired up and i think he was about to record a couple matches when everything went down with with covid19 and i think that robert Meyer burnett's perspective might be here i have no idea what his actual perspective but might be uh <laughs> he might be just trying to offload a player who he doesn't think is going to be able to play really any matches this year. we don't know when we're going to be filming in studio matches again and when that happens because of the backlog of everything that's been happening Will James White be prioritized in that, especially because he's going to have to travel from out of town? So I think it, it's a tough thing to to kind of bet on, especially when uh, you can take a known IG quantity in Brand and Hannah in return. And, and I think that that is an, an overall good deal for Robert Meyer Burnett. I think Kate is taking a little bit of a risk on potentially a very high quality player. So she might still get some return, especially if if they end up having, you know, a singles uh, competition online. Obviously, it's a lot easier to integrate people who are not in person in LA when you have an online tournament. So he might be able to to be maneuvered into matches that way. But that again, it, it's kind of all a, a work in progress and a little bit of a question mark beyond the IG and the Star Wars tourneys that that we know we're going to be getting. So I think overall, this is a good deal for Burnett, but I'll reserve judgment on his overall performance over the last 36 hours for the other trades that we talk about. Yeah, he felt like he was in good shape there for a little bit. Yeah, and Leo was pointing out that Brandon, he had some words for Kate. I think I showed this to you too, Scott. Uh, yeah. He he may, may be taking a book from his uh, his team action friends um, with his heelish comments, I guess, or he was just going very hard after Kate, um, mm -hmm. probably because of what we were saying, right? Because she put her faith in two other players in uh, in Intergeekdom, two players who have not proven themselves in Intergeekdom, right? And Saul and Ben Goddard. We don't know what to expect from these players in Intergeekdom. Obviously, Ben has done pretty well in singles and teams so far, but Intergeekdom is is a whole other ball game. And I did see some people suggesting that uh, that Brandon Hanna versus um, versus Ben Goddard would be a great first round matchup in the tournament. Um, I hope so. Honestly, I hope yeah. so. Um, I, I think that would be fun too. Um, but we'll see those. I mean, those I, I'd expect are two players who are probably will be in like the top half of the bracket. Cause we do know now that Hannah is confirmed. He will be participating in the tournament for the burning Drugs, So he got what he wanted, um, uh, with this trade, but Scott, as you said, uh, we kind of felt like, Hey, Burnett, sometimes we wonder what he's doing right with some of these trades in the past. Although, you know, things seem to be working out for him so far, as far as the standings, but this one, you know, was one on paper where we were like, this kind of makes sense for some of the reasons you said. White, we don't know what when he's going to be able to play, if he's going to be able to play at all of this season, just because of the, the geography, what's going on with COVID. Um, but then 
we, a few hours later, Christian comes back and says, we've got an even bigger trade announcement, right? Uh, this is the biggest trade we've ever had in the, in the Schmodown. I mean, and he's right. Not that that's a huge, uh, super high bar, right? Um, because not a ton of players have been moved so far this season. But um, he then hopped on the rundown to say that Burnett was involved once again. And he uh, had dealt Ethan Irwin, uh, his first round pick, to the usual suspect, Sam Levine, Sam Levine's faction and Sam was moving Jader Paramo, the Hurricane, uh, Ken Knapsack, and a first-round pick in the 2020 or 2021 Schmodown draft uh, to get the former Schmodown champion Ethan Irwin. Uh, so Burnett moving his first two picks, uh, his first and second-round pick yesterday. Interesting strategy. Um, and Scott, what do you think as far as we know that that Ken Napsok, right? He hasn't played yet so far this year, but he is going to be in the Star Wars tournament on Twitch. That is confirmed. Um, and Jader is one and oh, he got a singles win this past month. He will probably be getting another match at some point. Um, but dealing Ethan Irwin, um, do you think that um, that Burnett is getting enough return on his investment here? Yeah, you know, I think I've thought about this trade a lot because my initial reaction was, wow, what is he doing? It, it seems like he's almost just giving up on the year. He trades his top two draft picks for a first round draft pick next year, a former Star Wars champion and a, a, a new guy who won his first match in, in, in Jader and then, and then to get an IG player as well, I guess, Brandon Hanna. And I guess the more I've thought about it is that I think really Burnett in some way, yes, he's playing a little bit of a long game getting the first round draft pick next year. So I'll have two first round draft picks. Uh, in the 2021 draft. But the thing is for me is that it really just feels like he's not just playing that longer term next year game, but he's also playing the really short term game and trying to prepare his team for the IG and star Wars tourneys. There's not really anything that he can do to get a player, you know, any better than the quality of someone like Brandon Hanna, at least in terms of known qualities. I mean, maybe someone deeper down his list might be like as a surprise contender, but he's putting Warfather in there. And we saw Warfather once last year, He's not going to go that deep in the inner tournament, in my opinion. But Brandon Hanna, you know, if he's able to kind of get get over those pair of losses to um, to Chandru in, in you know the last two times that he's faced him, if he's able to get over those losses and perform well in the tournament, maybe he doesn't win, maybe he doesn't get a title shot. But if he puts two three matches together, those points add up pretty quickly. And I think that it that is a perspective i think also getting ken knapsack for the star wars tourney and betting big on ken knapsack in that is is a big move for him because i think really the way that i see this trade is he's really and, and these two trades yesterday just in total is that you know forget these single pl singles players maybe james white might not play this year ethan Irwin, who knows maybe his schedule maybe he knows something about ethan Irwin's schedule and he's not going to be able to play that much because he is the president of of, of uh silver pictures you know, he's so busy. We kind of saw that a little bit last year. Yeah. Maybe he's not going to get that many matches and maybe he doesn't, he doesn't have the faith maybe that Ethan can beat Roca or Ethan can beat someone like Bibiani or any other top contenders you see in, in singles contention over and over. And so he, Burnett just wants to build those points up in the short term. That's really the only way that I can kind of fathom the way these two trades make sense in my mind, because I think he is, uh, he's really selling off his top singles and non intergeekdom non-Star Wars assets in trading both Ethan and trading James White and not really getting a singles player or a team's player in return for that. 
Yeah, and something else, Scott, a couple comments here we got. Elio saying, I can see Erwin and Guy as a team. But then Tony saying, surely you reunite Time Machine. Yeah. We had this conversation last night, Scott, because my initial thought was, hey, Time Machine is back together. And I think a few people thought that as well. But you do wonder, who who does he see um, Ethan pairing better with, right? Because Guy is now without a partner with McQueenie retiring. And obviously, I think that's why this was a good move in general for the usual suspects. With McQueenie retiring, they really needed to get you know a strong number one guy in there. Uh, because guy is not probably not a number one guy. Yeah, um, good one. And uh, and so getting someone like Ethan Irwin obviously helps. And he's and that. he's saying that like to get him to give him a good teammate. Yeah, right. Yeah, so and, who- and if it's all about getting him a good teammate, I think that that's a big that's a big part of it. And I and so whether you see it with time, I can see it either way. I I see what Tony is saying here about giving Ashley to guy. Obviously, I think what's kind of inherent even in a couple of these trades or, or this trade in particular is that it's really clear that someone like Robert Meyer Burnett in Alonzo Valde and Whitney Seibold as being his sort of flagship singles teams players. I mean, they had that great match as, as you know, their first teams match to beat Tom and Paul. That was a huge one for them. And I think he's just doubling down on those performances and trading for these star Wars intergeekdom players. Similarly, I think here is what is what, Sam Levine is going to have to contend with is whether or not he wants to put, you know, a known quantity of Ethan Irwin and Janine together as time machine, and then trust that Atchity and Guy can be a really strong second or maybe even first team, depending on how you see it, because I think that could go either way. Or do you want to do the, I think what would be a little bit of a safer pick and in terms of my mind and putting Ethan with Guy in terms of your clear number one team, I think, I think Sam has a little bit of a decision to make here. I wouldn't blame him for putting Time Machine back together. They did perform well in the couple of matches they got in the tournament. And, you know, there's a lot of great teams out there. That's why it's hard to get deep in those tournaments. Uh, I don't necessarily think it's anyone, you know, they didn't perform poorly or under expectations even. They just didn't have a kind of a 50-50 match go their way. And then trust that that guy can kind of channel Atchity's pure movie knowledge that some people have compared to the likes of Williams, William Bibiani or Drew McQueenie and channel that with, you know, a little bit better strategy and a little bit more uh, gameplay and, and, and kind of direct that team in that direction. I can see it either way. And I'll be interested to see what Sam ultimately does. Yeah, that is a good point. Pointing out that Atchity is part of the usual suspects because I think he's a solid enough player to where, like you said, Scott, you could see it going either way, right? And I think that both of those teams, whether it's Atchity and Janine, whether it's Ethan and Janine, Atchity and Guy, whoever it is, uh, both of those teams could could win some matches for sure. So I think this was a, a very good move for Sam Levine. And you know, one other thing about this trade is that he he trades the draft pick, right? I think that's a smart move because we don't know what the draft is going to be like in 2021 yet. We don't exactly know what a first round pick means, right? Is it going to be everyone going back into the draft pool like we had this year? I mean, I think that's probably not going to happen. That would that would seem really? to be pretty drastic if we just said, all right, we're wiping the slate clean. We're going to start anew again next year. Uh, if it is, then this is probably a good, good call for Burnett. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if it's hey, we're going to say you can protect five players or something and everybody else goes in the draft. Well, then a first-round pick, probably you're not going to get someone the quality of an Ethan Irwin. You might not even get somebody the quality of a Jade or Paramo, for example. So um, that might honestly not even be a big that big of an asset for, for Sam to deal ultimately. We'll have to see how that plays out. But uh, if you're in the chat, tell us, you know, if you haven't shared, t- tell us what you think about uh, this trade. Uh, was it as lopsided for uh, in Sam's favor as we seem to think? Um, but uh, Scott, one more trade to talk about here, and that was the one that went down today, right? And guess who was involved with this trade? Just guess. 
I think it might have been Roxy. Uh, actually, yes. It, no, I know. It that's was a, Roxy. Uh, yeah, I know. That's the joke I was going for. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Roxy was involved in this trade, uh, trading with, guess who? Robert Meyer Burnett. Um, yeah. Burnett, I think he's going to just have a completely different faction by the end of the season. I, it, it will be interesting to see whether any of the players that he drafted are actually going to hold on. But, you know, we kind of said, talked about this, Scott. We don't exactly know if he knows fully what he's doing, but he is an agent of chaos for sure. And he is shaking up uh, the league with all of these moves. But this trade, um, he is dealing Josh Cavedo, who is an unknown player uh, that we have not seen yet. I, I don't know too much about him, but I was looking at his social media today, Scott, and he was posting a lot about Star Trek and Star Wars. So it looks to me like he's probably either a Star Wars and or inner geekdom player. Um, if anyone in the chat knows more about him, Feel free to share that. But he has been dealt uh, to Roxy Stryer, and Roxy has dealt uh, JTE, uh, Little Evil himself, to Robert Meyer Burnett. I mean, I think that personality-wise, JTE and Burnett are probably a decent match. But um, but I, I don't know it's in terms of this is kind of the same question we're asking with James White, even maybe on a bigger level, because JTE has like voluntarily like in the past stepped away from the Schmodown, right? Saying I'm moving to Wisconsin. I'm not going to be able to participate anymore. And it was a shock when Roxy drafted him at all. But Scott, I don't know if you saw this. There were some comments going on in the in the Facebook group between Roxy and Jeff Snyder about this, because when, when this came up, Scott, you mentioned to me, you said um, that I think uh, this might have been a dig at Snyder, because obviously, to go back to the backstage this week, Snyder made some comments about maybe not particularly being particularly happy with Andreco as his partner after what happened in their last match against Who's the Boss, Andreco missing some questions that Jeff uh, felt like he should have gotten right. Uh, particularly Rose Tico. About yes, Rose particularly Tico. Rose. Um, and so we kind of wondered, or you kind of wondered if this was Roxy uh, with a little bit of a dig at Jeff by trading Jeff's old partner, the person that Jeff said to Roxy, hey, I want you to draft him. I think JTE's actually going to play a match. Uh, he's going to be able to. Um, and But then trading him to, to Burnett and picking up Josh Cavedo, uh, in return, and I believe a, a third round pick was also dealt um, in this in this trade. But um, Scott, what do you think about this trade? Do you think we will see JTE this season? And if he only plays one match, do you think it will be make it a worthwhile trade for Burnett in the end to deal someone that we really don't know much about? Yeah, I think that this um, is interesting because um, I, I do wonder. Looking at this, we don't know much about Josh Cabedo. Um, and whether he is going to be, uh, you know, a Star Wars or inner geekdom player, like I said. Um, and so I, th I, I almost looked at this as um, if if Roxy knows something about this Cavedo guy, actually knows that maybe he's a really good player in Star Wars. Is she making a sort of Kaiser-esque move to get like a top two Star Wars players in her faction? Because um, obviously she has the current Star Wars champion in Alex Damon already in there. If she knows that, hey, this Cavedo guy actually is probably going to run this Star Wars tournament if he gets in there, if he even plays Star Wars, is this kind of a move, again, like Kaiser drafting Parker and Smets to say, hey, we're going to lock this belt down. We're going to make sure this one belt will stay within our faction, whoever wins it. That's just one way I like to do it. But Scott, so my, my perspective is kind of exactly that. I think that the Burning Drugs and Robert Mybernet, I mean, they 
traded yesterday for their Star Wars, for their Enneagram players. You got Brandon Hanna. You got Ken Napsok. If this Josh Cavado guy is someone who could play either or both in Star Wars or in her Geekdom, I think this makes sense for Roxy. And then the other option here, once you get down to a second person for Intergeekdom, is like, is Jared Haybon? I mean, that's the person who I, who really caught my eye as the other person you could put into the Intergeekdom tournament. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that trade for Roxy makes a lot of sense. I just don't know if it makes any sense from R&B's perspective. He's making a dice roll that of some sort of online singles or teams tournament because the whole logic beyond just Jeff Snyder Tuxie to draft JTE back in January was that there was going to be a Boston live event and JTE would go and Snyder would go and they would be two of the people who play in the live event, whether it's at, probably, I mean, obviously probably not as, as the Patriots, but JTE would be there in some way, whether it's in a team and Snyder would have a singles match, like something would happen where those players would be playing the match, but that's probably not going to happen this season. Now, even if we're able to come back and, and tape live matches as much as I would love for the, the live event in Boston where I live. I don't think that's happening. This So I'm, I'm not sure that I see the value in this trade as much as I've tried to see the value in some of the other trades that Burnett has done over the past two days. Yeah. And I think that Roxy obviously um, is someone who is in need of some points, right? And in, in need of some points quick because she, her faction is in the, the lower half of the table right now. She is struggling a bit, but you know, another question mark is Alex Damon, right? Because so far, Roxy, the Rockstars do not have anyone in, that is confirmed for the Intergeekdom tournament. However, I would be surprised if, as uh, you know, like like we're saying that if Alex Damon isn't in the Intergeekdom tournament, because obviously he isn't going to be in the Star Wars tournament, so it would make sense for him to be in the Intergeekdom tournament. And we could potentially see Jared Haven as well um, in, in the Intergeekdom tournament. Uh, like you said, I think he's still a solid enough player in Intergeekdom to where he could get himself into that tournament and uh, maybe have to do one of the play-ins, but um, regardless, I think that uh, he's a solid enough player to uh, get himself in that tournament. So we will have to see uh, whether, uh, you know, what, what Roxy is going to do as far as this tournament. Maybe Josh Cavado isn't someone who makes an immediate move into the tournament. Maybe, um, maybe she does go with these other two players in her faction. But regardless, I think that JTE, like you're, like you're saying, is a huge question mark. And um, I, I, maybe RMB is just playing checkers and the rest of us are playing chess because he's made some, some interesting moves this year. Obviously, he dealt Claudia Dolph. I think we had some questions about Claudia and whether she was going to be uh, you know, maybe she was a secret weapon because, you know, she, we hadn't seen anything from her. She was getting traded around a lot and she kind of wasn't too impressive in her match with Warfather. So it seems like RMB probably knew what he was doing there with that one. Um, and his faction's doing well, right? As, as long as you're getting the results, it's hard to question the managerial tactics too much. Um, Tom Dagnino perhaps being the best example of that, uh, of getting, getting results. And so we, we're not going to look too deeply into it, but yeah, if you're in the chat again, uh, tell us what you think about this trade Cavedo for JTE. Um, who, who do you think got the better end of this? Do you think we will see JTE this season? Um, let us know what you think, but, uh, with that Scott, with the trades out of the way, obviously we may see some well, more. I, I, I did want to say, I did want to sure. say one more thing about, about, uh, you were saying how Roxy needs points. And Robert Burnett is performing well, but they're actually they have the same number of points right now. Oh, okay. Uh, Roxy has fewer wins because she did get the the, the the live event, yeah, the live event. Well, not just live event, but the, but the star or sorry, the inner geekdom KO, which is four points, mm -hmm. and she just obviously just barely eked out the win uh, this week. <laughs> we'll get to that match, um, and that's and so she was kind of in need of points uh, to be fair. But it, it, it is funny you you can wrap you can. 
um, really collect points very quickly. Uh, say if you have someone like Robert Parker uh, on your team. So there you go. That is that is very true. Um, okay, Scott, I do want to talk about. I mean, we probably will see some more trades um, ha happening. Yeah. There are still some factions. Corruption in the dungeon are down there towards the bottom. They're they they might consider making moves, but um, we probably. I mean, also the Sam's team only has six players. I mean, yeah. he probably needs to collect whether he's trading for people or just picking people up that are that are currently free agents. There's right. going to be need. There's going to be some moves that need to be made there, and I I, I see Koi probably making some too, just with the fact that Mara is kind of out of commission for the foreseeable future. Right, and that uh, that was one thing that I wanted to talk about next, Scott, which is free agency. I, I think we will see some people pick uh, people up off of the free agency because um, obviously trades involve a lot of negotiation. Whereas you have a lot of players who are out here that all you have to do is talk to them, you know, do some do some negotiating with these free agents, and you can add maybe somebody's you know an ace in the hole out there. There are plenty of people out there, um, and a couple of people, Scott, just looking at the free agents list. That so 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 first of all, someone who I think is pretty much a guarantee is going to be picked up just from what I've seen on social media is uh, Sabrina Ramirez, who uh, is of course co-host with, with RB three um, and, uh, and Ace Cabrera, who are both in the league on uh, the, the meaning of podcast, everything over on the first cut channel. Um, and is someone who has sort of gotten herself into the SEN crew uh, before all of this went down. Uh, and so she's kind of friends with everybody in like the circle and everyone in that SEN circle, obviously is very involved with the Schmodown. And so we don't exactly know a ton about Sabrina's knowledge. Obviously she, she can, you know, shows that she has some knowledge on the meaning of podcasts and, and all of that. But I think just because of the relationships that she has formed with a lot of the managers, especially, and the negotiations I've seen her, like I saw her at a bunch of the managers on Twitter yesterday, like, Hey, I'm out here. And there was a, there was a bit of a thread going on uh, with some of them, um, you know, that, that uh, trying kind of recruiting her. So we'll see, I know she added Kate, and Winston and, and Finstock were all in there in the chat. So uh, I think there are a lot of options for Sabrina. Um, and then, uh, so I do want to point out, uh, Leo says Jonathan Harris is, is potential. Um, yeah, I think that, that we could definitely see him. He um, had one singles match and, and was defeated, but obviously he had a really good run in teams with, uh, with his brother. So maybe he's somebody that, you know, is a good teams player you can throw on a team with someone else. Uh, Scott Mance is another person who is out there, right? Obviously a Schmodown legend. Um, and he, ha but he ha we haven't seen him for a while. Uh, and actually I was thinking about his last singles match. He took Ben Bateman to pretty much the last question, uh, his last like official match that counted. Uh, and, and so obviously Bateman, I think has improved since then. But I think if you're looking for someone deeper down your roster, right? Like Mance might be a person you could get in there as like your, you know, your second or third singles player, and he could win a match or two. Uh, Scott, anyone else you're looking at on the free agents? Yeah, but talking about Mance makes me think of someone who I'm a huge fan of, who we haven't seen in a bit. But Sean Gerber is someone I don't know if he's actually yeah. around and available and interested in doing the Schmodown because he has kind of disappeared of late, and and maybe that's his own choice. Maybe he's just stepping back a little bit and doing focusing on other things. But I've always been a big fan of Sean Gerber, and I think he's someone also who could pad out deeper down your roster. Uh, I don't think that you'd want to bet on him as being your top player, but uh, he certainly looked the better of the two between him and Mance on their Anarchy team a couple years back. Yeah. Um, and I mean, obviously if you get him, he could put MCU on a wheel in a, you know, in a regular match in a, in a inner geekdom match, whatever. Well, he can't Cause there's an inner geekdom slice, but well, yeah, but yeah. Um, that I, yeah, I guess that's a good point, but in an inner geekdom match, 
if he hits MCU, I mean, he's running the table. We've we've seen that the guy knows pretty much everything that there is um, yeah, about MCU. That exhibition match with Psycho. Yeah. He did that exhibition. I think that's a good match that Leo's mentioning there of him with Koi. Obviously, two guys who are sort of like sweaties. Um, I think that 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 would be a good pairing there. Uh, and yeah, I actually think. Correct me if I'm wrong, Chad or Scott, on this, but I think there's going to be another MCU match, and I think yep. Sean Gerber is going to be in it. So um, I was going to ask you that because I, I didn't know who was confirmed for it. Um, yeah, but there is sure going to be an exhibition match. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that he is confirmed for that. So we will get to see him do that. And maybe some managers will take notice of that exhibition if they're paying attention and say, hey, here's a guy who, I mean, he knows this subject really well. So let's get him in here for an intergeekdom match. Um, talking about sort of narrow subject specialists as well, Molly Damon is out there, um, a Star Wars player who played in, in that live match um, last year, that qualifier at Celebration. Uh, did pretty well, I believe, came came in second or third in that match. Obviously, she is married to the Star Wars champion, so I imagine that um, you you pick up a fair amount of Star Wars knowledge uh, that way. Yeah, there we go. MCU match, Gerber, Jay, Winston, and Eric Zipper. Thank you for that, Leo. Um, yeah, so, I mean, uh, Jay, Winston, and Zipper, those guys, I'm sure they know their stuff, but I think Gerber is going to defend his title in that one, but... Yeah, we, we will see there. But um, those were some of the names that I was looking at of the free agents. Obviously, there's like some fun names out there as well. Um, the people uh, from Kind of Funny. I know you're a fan of fan of them. They're out there. They've played. I wouldn't draft them, but I am a huge fan of, yeah. of Nick uh, Doug Benson, and Greg Miller. Doug Benson is out there, which I, again, I, I've said this before, but I love Doug Loves Movies. It was one of the first sort of movie trivia things that I ever got into. But I just don't think that Doug would be a good fit for the Schmodown because he would not want to take it seriously. Uh, do you think Sam would? Do you think he, Sam would draft? I mean, Sam's super short on players, and obviously they have a pretty good relationship. Would would you think Sam would take him? Yeah, they do. They do. And I mean, I think if anyone was going to pick him up, it would be Sam. But I was going to point out in the past, like when Sam used to be on his show. I mean, Sam's still on his show a lot, but back in the day, they would clash sometimes over the fact that Sam was like getting really into the games and taking them really seriously, and Doug was just like man, it's not that serious. And so I think you're going to have much more, many more players in the Schmodown who are more in Sam's camp than are in Doug's camp. But, you know, we there's there's play, there's room in the Schmodown for everyone, right? Like there's still room for the Josh McCougas of the world uh, as well, who, I mean, I, he doesn't take it that seriously. He's just kind of a, a fun person. So maybe you can get Doug in there for like a character. He does live in LA, so I think he could probably make it to a match or two. Um, but I mean, just for sentimental reasons, I think it would be uh, fun to see him uh, play uh, Leo saying Molly for the usual suspects. They need a star Wars player. Yeah. I think that's a good, good shout there. Um, and yeah, you know, with the star Wars tournament coming up as well, we, we only, the only person that we know is confirmed is Ken Napsock. So I don't know if all of the players have been confirmed and we just haven't heard, or for example, like if there's still some spots open, if somebody goes out there and picks Molly Damon, can they put her right in the star Wars tournament and maybe uh, get some points right there? That might be a consideration as well. Maybe I, I'll, I was just looking at the rosters earlier today just to see who I think from each faction would go. And I think Leo's bringing up a good point that the usual suspects doesn't have a clear star Wars player, probably one of the few teams that doesn't, but I would have assumed that uh that Cameron Rice I could I mean we could double check that but I would have thought Cameron Rice would have been the one who they put in for Star Wars that doesn't mean that that Molly wouldn't be a better option if they could pick him up but that was just my thought when I was looking at their roster yeah I think that Cameron Rice is definitely inner geekdom I'm not sure if he is a Star Wars uh mm -hmm. player as well um but 
yeah, that that's that's a good option. He, he probably if they don't pick anyone else up, he would be the person that you would expect to go in there. But, you know, we don't know if they're going to have anyone in there um, at all. Or if again, if, if all of the players are confirmed, because obviously we do have a fair amount of Star Wars players out there that, that we could see. You would expect that Sean Sullivan is going to be in this tournament. You would expect that Laura Kelly is going to be there. Um, maybe uh, maybe Adam Witt. We obviously saw him play against uh play against Sean Sullivan in a pretty good match earlier this year. Um, so, you know, he's an option as well. Um, you know, looking around at, at some of the rest of the, the free agents. Scrimshaw. Out here. Yeah. Scrimshaw, Scrimshaw, of course. Um, yeah. A few other names there. Uh, Do you put eighth in for Josh Cavado? Flag? I, I don't know about Demolanta. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good one too. I don't know about putting ace in just because, uh, we sh- we saw how he did in the interview with his strength category of of Harry Potter. He did not do particularly well. And if Star Wars wasn't even his strength in Intergeekdom and he didn't do that great in his Intergeekdom strength, I'm not sure if I really want him out there in a, in a Star Wars tournament. But hey, maybe he can study up and do pretty well. Obviously, it takes less studying for a Star Wars match than it does for an Intergeekdom match. Yeah, I mean, he's also playing Parker. That That is true. Uh, and I do want to touch on that match um in in just a little bit but yeah scott i think those are some of the big names out there uh the cine fanatics i saw some of the like the fan league and the the uh call to action folks and stuff were were shouting out the cine fanatics as as potential options obviously we saw uh i believe chris was the one who played before or no it was robert i believe it was robert who played uh once before on the only stupid answers team did pretty well in the match so I could see them getting a chance, uh, mm-hmm. but then there's there's just some other names on here that I think are gonna have gonna have to do some work if they want to get picked up. Uh, Ricky Hayberg, I just laughed that he's actually on here um, as as a potential option, and then yes, you know some of the people like uh, the the kind of funny folks like Leonard Malton, for example, is on here. Um, My question, Scott, is, is the, Star, the Star Wars tournament is virtual. Why yes. has no one picked up Sam Witwer? Why is Sam Whitwer <laughs> not on a team? Unfortunately, he's not even on the list. Star Wars tournament. He's not even on the list. And I imagine that somehow, even via StreamYard, he's probably too busy just, just knowing all that that guy does. But doing one all other, his voice work from home. Yeah. One other, the last name I'll mention before we move on to the matches um, Perry Nemiroff is out there still. Um, <laughs> we've seen her in a couple she's of. always talked about never wanting to play yeah. in the actual Schmodown outside the exhibition matches. She's too competitive. She'll, she'll be like too unhappy with how she'll perform against all these people who are more fine-tuned machines. I wish that she would play. I love Perry. Yeah. Um, and I really love seeing her in, in some of these, in the two exhi- exhibition matches that she's been in. Uh, both of them were really fun matches to watch, but I don't see it happening. Maybe in a team setting, maybe that's the only only way I can maybe see it happening. But yeah, you're you're probably right. I think because she has, she has vocally said that, people probably will not try to pick her up. But <clears throat> regardless, Scott, um, let's move on to the matches. Now, usually we start out by talking about the matches, but with so much going down, with so much news going down, I think it, it felt like we needed to start out with with, with uh, you know the stuff that was on people's mind. And obviously, we're going to hear some more things in the coming days. And I'm just excited for that, that things are picking back up again, because obviously there was kind of a, a lull there where we were wondering, What's going to go on in the future? You know, after these matches run out, which is going to be next week that we have in the can, what's going to happen? Are we still going to get Schmoe down? And the answer is yes. And we're going to be getting matches that count. So I'm I'm very excited um, about about everything that is to come. But uh, let's 
journey back to the past a little bit and talk about some of the uh, the matches that we have had, the in-studio matches, finishing out the run of those. And I want to go deep on the match that we had this week because it was uh, it was a very interesting match. Christian saying it was one of the matches of the year, uh, match of the year candidate in his opinion. I definitely think that that's that's a good shout there uh, because it did. You know, it came down to the wire. Stacy Howard and Eric Zipper, two kind of. Uh, above average singles players, I guess you would say, maybe trying to, to duke it out to see who is more above average than the other one. Uh, as Zipper coming in, obviously, 1-0 and after winning his match last year against Haley Fouch. Um, and Stacy, we, we've talked a lot about Stacy on here and how just it is a complete fool's errand to try to predict any of her matches because you never know what she's going to do, right? She, yeah. uh, on, on a given day, she can go out there and beat, you know, some of the best players in showdown history, whether it's Mark Riley, Mark Ellis, um, or she can go out there and score like four points or whatever she did against Rachel Cushing that time in the tournament after she beat Ellis. Um, it's just, it's a real mixed bag. And after the match, seeing that her record was like six and five or something, I was like, yeah, that seems about right. It seems like a win here, a loss there. Um, yeah. But Stacy and Eric Zipper in a match um, here, I, I think, to, to be fair, this is the kind of match that Stacy maybe usually loses, right? Maybe she pulls off the upset, but she loses a match like this. And that makes us think, well, she's, you know, being going to be fed to the wolves against against a Mark Riley or a Mark Ellis, and then she comes out and pulls off a win. But uh, this seemed to be a pretty evenly matched match, and I think what we saw in the match uh, definitely proved that. Um, and Scott, I want to talk about something that happened in the first round, I believe the second question of the match, because uh, it was an interesting challenge that we have never really seen before, I don't think, in the Schmodown. And not only was it an interesting challenge, but it ended up making a difference in the match, right? Because Stacey Howard would not have been awarded a point um, if, if not for um, getting this challenge, or she would not have you know, gotten another question and then gotten the point. And ultimately, she ended up uh, I believe the, the point there in the end ended up changing things, how things went in round three. Um, and so this was an important uh, point that happened in the challenge. And what basically what happened was the question was asked about the great Gatsby and Stacy uh, claimed to have not heard Mark Ellis's countdown because of chatter in the studio. I don't know exactly what it was. But uh, Roxy challenges from the crowd because she claimed that Stacy was not able to hear uh, Mark Ellis. Uh, and so the challenge was taken under advisement and it was determined that we're gonna give Stacy a new question. She gets the question right where she would have not gotten the point otherwise. But um, Scott, what do you think about this? Because my reaction in seeing this challenge was, it seems to me like this is something that's very hard to prove, right? Like how do you prove that someone did not hear the countdown unless it's like clear to everyone in the studio, right? That they couldn't hear the countdown. Um, and I, yeah, I think I, I messed up the score, what the score was. I thought that uh, it made a difference in the match, but maybe it actually didn't. Um, but anyway, it was still an interesting challenge. It could make a difference in a future match. But like I was saying, how do you prove that someone didn't hear something, right? Unless it's just apparently obvious to everyone in the studio. And just the way that Stacy's reaction was, it didn't seem like she was challenging that hard when it happened. It just seemed like she was like, I ran out of time. I guess I wasn't paying attention or didn't think of it quickly enough. But it was Roxy who really spoke up immediately and was like, hey, she didn't hear it, whatever. Um, and that that changed things. What do you think about this? Yeah, I'm, I thought it was a – I mean, while I was watching, I was like, this is just a bizarre thing to challenge. I don't – like, I could see I could see them giving – you know, awarding, you know, or upholding the challenge and giving the new question. Like, I, I guess I wasn't – totally surprised by that but i'm just like this feels like kind of erroneous challenge land like honestly if you just if you're just watching the i mean the match it, it kind of just looks like she's so 
in the zone trying to figure out who this, you know, what this movie was that was being referred to. And she just wasn't paying attention to the countdown. That was my perspective. I don't know what actually happened. No one except for Stacey Howard knows whether or not she heard the countdown. And even if she didn't hear the countdown, I'm not entirely sure that the challenge should still be upheld, in my opinion, just for just for the whole continuity of the game and, and things like that. I think that you, we the game might be better off just saying, well, you know what? It's not our fault if you're not paying attention enough to hear the countdown because I mean, I guess Eric Zipper didn't need the countdown. He'd already written. He was just waiting. It didn't matter whether he heard the countdown or not. But it, it just seems like a weird thing to challenge and a weird a weird kind of challenge to allow and to uphold uh, if that is the standard they're going to set because, you know, I think it's a little bit of a gray area. Not that there aren't other gray areas when it comes to challenges in the Schmodown. I just thought it was a bit of a strange one. I mean, the match, kind of like Leo was alluding to, the match was 22-18, so it wouldn't yeah. have mattered. Um, but it, it was close enough where it felt like, Okay, maybe this swung momentum a little. I mean, I don't know. It was the second question of the match, maybe not, but um, the match was close, so it wasn't like it was a blowout. Um, and the you know a first round challenge didn't matter because of, because it was a blowout. Um, so yeah, I thought it was weird. I was kind of surprised they upheld it, regardless of whether she heard the countdown or not. It just seemed like they maybe were just a bit caught off guard by the challenge and were just like, all right, well, like. I guess she didn't hear it, so we'll give her a new question. But I was under, I mean, I get Zipper's frustration. If I don't know if it, if it stuck with him over the course of the match, but obviously in the moment he was like, I don't really understand why this challenge was upheld. But, oh, well. Yeah, but I mean, as we're talking about here, maybe this is, uh, you know, a good place for a manager, right? And Roxy showed that she maybe had some good managerial skills here by yeah, totally. listening to what Stacy said. Stacy was like, oh, I didn't really hear it. But again, like we were saying, didn't seem like she was immediately going to challenge it. But Roxy steps out and immediately was like, hey, we're going to challenge this. And it works out in Stacy's favor. So I think good managing there by Roxy, good totally. tactics. And I will wonder, I do wonder if this will set any kind of precedent for the future. I'm like, well, will someone who maybe is even more tactical than, than Stacy Howard, if a question comes up, they think of it like, at the last second and can't write it in time, will they be like, oh, I couldn't hear it? Because obviously there is a lot of crosstalk that goes on during these matches. I think it would be a pretty fair claim sometimes to be like, I couldn't hear the countdown over, you know, Christian and Mark's banter or whatever. Um, I, I would hope that no one would be that underhanded about it, but who knows? We, there, there are plenty of people in the showdown who I think will do whatever it takes to win. But regardless, yeah. Scott, no, I, I think that's true, and I think that the ultimately the only solution is to have a have a timer that the players can see counting down from fifteen each time a question is asked. I yeah. don't know if anyone wants that or if that's going too far, but if they're going to allow these types of challenges and going to rule types of challenges that way, people can absolutely be tactical about it. And if I were any other manager in that league or any other player, I'd be thinking about how I could use that. And if that's underhanded, that's underhanded. But that's the game, right? And I and honestly, you know, was it disingenuous to challenge? Uh, on that for Roxy and Stacey? Maybe not. But in the future, if that's the precedent that's that's being set, you know, I think you'd be stupid not to try to use it. You know what I mean? If, if that's the precedent that's going to be set. I think what we really need is like a, a blinking shot clock. We need like a shirtless no, Tom that's Dang, what I'm talking you know, about. walking yeah, around with basically. a shot clock to get people's attention. I think that, uh, yeah, that maybe that's the outcome here, but I don't know if the, if the Shmodown wants to incur that kind of expense. But Scott, Big moment in this match, round three, right? Uh, and Stacey Howard, I'm, I'm going to come out and say it. I think she's one of the best round three players that we have in the showdown. I was thinking about this as I was watching this round and thinking back to some of her other matches, and it seems like she is always able, no matter how far behind she is in the match, she is always able to make up some points in, in round three. And in general, it seems like she hits her five-pointer fairly often. She did it against Mark Riley. I believe if you go back to that match she played, at Collision last year, I think it was the five-way match. I think she hit her five-pointer in that match. Um, 
And he played in a five way. There was a five way collision. Uh, I think so. It was it was that it was that manager bowl uh, where they they nominated a, a player from their faction. Oh or yeah, you're right. Casey totally, played in it. I believe yeah, she hit her about that. her five pointer um, in that match. And obviously, the five pointer she hits it again here. Yeah. Not because she knew it, I don't think, uh, unless she was an incredible actress. Uh, but she got she got kind of a stealthy pull on the on the three pointer. Then the five pointer comes to her about Anthony Hopkins' role in Beowulf. Really, not much in the clue to even give you any hints about who it might be. Just and Oscar that, winning actor. That's it. Yeah, and for that playing reason, an old I, guy, playing a king, so he had to be kind of older. Yeah, and I mean, you know, he's he's an old British actor. I guess if you're thinking about who's going to play a king, you think of old British actors. Maybe you there's think a of lot Anthony of them. There's a lot of people. There are. Yeah. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe yeah. you just think of the cast of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy or something, because every old British actor is in that. But. Regardless, I don't know what Stacy's logic was, but after using a bunch of repeats, she got the right answer in a true, like one of the best Makugas we've probably ever seen in the Schmodown. Just based on her reaction, right? She was like standing up for like a full two yeah. minutes. After. It was a classic Stacy reaction to getting the question right. Yeah, she she just did not think that she had gotten it. I, I think it was pretty clear. So, you know, with Makuga, right? I think when it started out, Makuga's whole guessing thing, yeah, he was guessing for sure. But I did start to wonder in some of his later matches when he would get these crazy guesses, like, does he actually know this? And he's just playing it up because, like, he is that he's known for guessing because the Makuga pool is a thing. I don't know. But this seemed to be very genuine in terms of whether she actually knew it or not. Um, she pulls it out, uh, makes Eric answer his five pointer, which he cannot do about Robin Williams' film. Um, and that's the match. Stacy wins it 22 to 18. I believe, like I said, she goes to six and five uh, on the season. Um, Scott, final thoughts uh, on this match as a whole. Where do you think these players are going to go from here? Um, do you think this is kind of, you know, like we said, Stacy maybe loses these kinds of matches every so often. Maybe, maybe this is sort of like a good sign for her. Maybe she takes the next step now and can actually get herself uh, into contention i don't know maybe that's going yeah. a little too far but what do you think uh about this yeah i'd say slow your roll scott i think we've yeah. been there we've been there before you know if, i mean we've been last... burned many times yeah i mean i don't know if anyone was was predicting that she would beat brendan last year in the second round of the singles tournament but she certainly uh took a step down going from from beating mark riley the way that she did to basically uh rolling over uh against the kid and, and just taking a beating from him but Overall, I think we'll see, right? I don't view this match as going anywhere in the league. Like there's you you always are picturing these mini gauntlets when players are playing. And I think that there's a lot more ahead of Stacey Howard before she gets anywhere near a title shot. I think that this is one of those matches that's deeper down the roster that's going to happen over the course of the season in the league just to give everyone on the rosters opportunities to play. And these matches matter. Like they absolutely matter. They matter for the roster. It's only their second win of the season. Yeah. Like I was mentioning earlier, Yes, they have six points just because of the performance that Alex Damon had in Atlanta in his IG debut, but that's only their second win. And so it's it's going to be matches like these that do make a difference, maybe not at the top of the table. You know, when you're talking about the Finstock Exchange, Swag, and the Den, I mean, I think the Den's already kind of shown that that those little middle middle of the league matches might matter quite a bit. But with the Finstock Exchange, especially, they're, you know, they're probably not going, they're, they're, I guess their future and their prospects in the league aren't going to be determined by further down their roster. It's going to be determined like how long can they hold on to their belts? But people like the rock stars, you know, trading someone, you know, to get a, a sort of middle of the pack play middle of the pack player could mean a lot. And that's where you win. You got to win these matches to get points for your team. 
because you're not going to really compete for a title and that's okay. That's okay. Like these matches matter. You're supposed to be having fun and they're competitive and it makes these matches more competitive. And I think that's one of the cool things about the league this year is that every match really does matter and really is competitive, but can still be fun uh, depending on who's, who's playing in the match. And so do I think this is going anywhere for Stacy? I don't think so yet. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope she proves me wrong. I like Stacy a lot, but it's going to take more than one close, close win and a couple deep pulls in round three to, uh, to convince me that Stacy's ready to mount any sort of challenge towards the top of the league. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's fair. Um, and as for the dungeon, Scott, they continue to struggle. And I think this match might be kind of an eye opener for them because with them taking Smets and Parker as their top two picks, Zipper was kind of like their top singles contender, right? They don't they don't really have any other anyone deeper down who you say like, oh, that's a stronger singles pair probably than Zipper. And look, he played pretty good in the match. It, it just came down to that five pointer, but. I, if he can't beat Stacey Howard, I don't think he's going to be the type of singles threat that the dungeon is looking for here. So I wonder if this will force them into making some kind of move here in the next few days over the course of this weekend to either sign someone, to make a trade for a singles player who is going to be able to you know, make them an actual threat in that league right now. Because right now, looking at the dungeon, all their chips are on Intergatum, right? Like, they don't really have much beyond that. Yeah, I mean, you're making a good point. They can rack up a lot of points just off Intergeekdom. You got Smets's title matches, and Parker is about to have four matches in an Intergeekdom tournament. He's about to have four wins. Yeah, I mean he could. I mean he alone <laughs> in the next two months can generate the for the dungeon sixteen points. I mean, do we think he's going to KO every single person he plays? I mean, honestly, maybe yeah. <laughs> Smets did it last year almost, uh, pretty pretty much across the board until he hit Kalinowski and Chandra. I mean, he he KO'd everyone, and Parker can definitely do the same. Uh, especially, I mean, do I think he's going to get maybe stiffer competition after the first round or two in this tournament? Definitely. But he has, he is that good to be able to KO anyone in this tournament. And those points add up really quickly. So yes, there's a lot of investment in inner geekdom on this dungeon team, but at the end of July, they very well could be the top table, you know, top of the table here, maybe not first place, but they could definitely be near the top. And I think that this, we question it right now. And, We'll probably question it for the rest of the season, depending on where they end up. Uh, but I think these people are going to, you know, Robert Parker, Kevin Smets, they're going to keep generating points uh, for the dungeon in droves because well, maybe not in droves, I guess. But, you know, this, these title matches are worth a lot of points, especially in Inner Geekdom and KOs in Inner Geekdom for Robert Parker's beginning of his career are certainly going to add up. I will say one thing about the singles. Yes, well, the- I want to interrupt you there really quick because we just sure. got some breaking news coming oh, in. I think Harloff must be watching this right now. That's why he chose to release this news at this exact moment. But Jeez. the Dungeon has just released Daniel Villalobos. Uh, again, d- not really sure who he oh, yeah. is. Breaking but I news. think the key part of this news is that the Dungeon now have an open spot, right? Because they actually had a full faction. But with dropping Daniel Villalobos, that gives them one free spot. They have nine spots uh, full and one spot available. So here's what we're saying. Maybe this is where they go try to pick up somebody who is going to help them out in singles and teams. Sorry. I don't know what you're talking about. They're going to, they're going to pick up another IG player. You're out of your mind. Uh, No, but what I was going to say about singles is that yes, they had some, you know, the butcher boys didn't work out for them in their match against the pride. I think the pride can end up being a very good team. I mean, they could end up here with the number one contender shot just in a few weeks. Next week, we're going to be watching them play um, the real rejects. And then if they win that, then all of a sudden they've got they're they're starting to get closer and closer to that playing for a number one contender match. Cause that's a long gauntlet that they have to work through to get up there, but they have a line of sight to it. But what I want to say is that in the dungeon, you also do have drew grant. Like you have, 
you have Drew Grant, you have Vinny Mancuso, and I think that we haven't seen them play singles uh, yet this year, but I think that if things do stay virtual, yes, Video Drew lives in New York, so it's a little bit harder to get her out there to the matches. But Vinny Mancuso does live in L.A. He's someone that is around uh, movies a lot. He works at Collider. I forget his particular title. Um, but he was someone that I was excited, got picked up, was excited to see him play in. Um, I was excited to see him play in teams. That was a bit of a tough time. I think he was the better player on the Butcher Boys. And so I'm excited to see him finally debut in singles. And I think that he could be someone who's not going to compete for a title, but someone who can win some matches and get the dungeons and points. And I think the same is true for Video Drew. Some more uh, news there. I, I think we maybe the Jenna Bush news, we already knew that she was out of the usual suspects. But BC is out of the Finstock Exchange. Uh, interesting. I don't I don't really know what divisions BC was going to play in. Maybe, I think maybe intergeekdom. But, like, he does hang out with them, right? Like, we saw him at the live event in yeah. Atlanta. He was there by the side of the stage and everything. So, I um, wonder if this will make for any awkward conversations. But, no, more, more likely, because they are friends with him, they probably, you know, have the inside scoop that he's not going to be able to play some matches or, or anything like that. Or maybe, look, maybe they're burning bridges out here and the exchange is seeing that other factions are making improvements and they want to try to go add someone as well. Maybe Sabrina, right? She was out there sort of recruiting Finstock being one of the managers she was recruiting. So um, obviously they don't necessarily need the help, but if they feel like they're going to start getting more pressure from the other factions, maybe it makes sense to go ahead and get uh uh, you know, a new player, Justin Kroll, is out of the Burning Droogs. Uh, yeah, Christian just tweeted that out. Uh, so that means that the Droogs have one spot available. Uh, for now, Burnett will probably have like a four-person trade before the end of the weekend. And who knows what, what's going to happen with his faction. But um, Kroll is out. That's another option. And yeah, another- I mean, with it, we, we might be getting a lot. Honestly, we might for the next like 20 minutes of the podcast, we might be getting more news because I'm sure these are all the all the yeah. drops that came in right at the deadline, which was about two hours ago now. And they're not just now getting you know made official, tweeted out and stuff. But this isn't surprising if there's no way to to drop players after today. And therefore, you have to like they have, you have to they have to be on their roster or you have to trade them. That makes it really hard for some of these people that maybe you took a gamble on in the seventh or eighth round of the draft. And now you're just like, well, you know what? I don't really see these people going anywhere and I want some, you know, some space on my roster. If all of a sudden something pops out in the family, you're like, you know what? I want this person, get them on my team. You want to have that flexibility. So I'd be really surprised if anyone, you know, in the next hour officially has more than nine players, you know, has the full complement on their roster. Uh, Cause yeah. that just leaves you so much less flexibility in trades and also just picking players up that you want. And I think some of this is just the unfortunate consequences of, of the coronavirus, right? Because I think, at the start of the season, we didn't really know how things were going to go down. And so people drafted up rosters full of people like people like Justin Crow, Daniel Villalobos, who we never heard of before. They thought, Hey, we'll, we'll put them down at the bottom of our roster. They'll get a match or two. And then because of all this, it's, it's definitely shook it, shaken up how uh, many matches we're going to get, who all is able to play. And so just people like Justin Kroll and Villalobos, you know, not veterans of, of the Schmodown or anything like that, it's going to become increasingly harder for them to get a match. And so I think this probably makes sense, unfortunately, but maybe we'll see some of them in the draft next year. Yeah. rest of the season who knows yeah i always thought justin kroll was a weird pick i mean obviously he's knows a lot i mean he's around the film business a lot because he's you know one of the uh he's one of the news i mean he's the i think he's the lead news writer at at variety 
uh, the person who competes with Jeff Snyder and everyone else for the scoops. Uh, but he also had a kid recently, so I was a little—I was just a little bit surprised to to see his name get picked up. Um, and I didn't really think he'd have a lot of time to devote to, to something like the Schmodown. But yeah, not everyone has to take it as competitively as and study as hard as as the people at the top. So there there is room in the middle. Yeah, that is very true. So, uh, yeah, maybe we will get some more moves here. I think I maybe jinxed things by saying at the start that we weren't going to get any breaking news maybe with the, the deadline having closed. But I think that's a good point that you're making, that some of these things probably are just now going through that that came in before the deadlines and Christian is just now announcing them. So we'll see what else happens maybe before the end of the show here. But, Scott, got a couple more matches to talk about. Yep. And let's talk about the guy, the man that we were talking about just a few minutes ago. The Hobbit, the Spider, whatever you want to call him, uh, whatever he's going by now. Robert Parker, uh, Scott, he finally got his first match, uh, came in against Ace Cabrera. We've known about this match for a while. Uh, this, we've been hyping this match up for a while. For some reason, right, there are still people out there in the Facebook group. I promise I'm not inventing this, but I, I was still seeing them leading up to this match saying, well, Robert Parker, he hasn't proven himself, you know, under the lights yet. He hasn't played in the real showdown. And – like, okay, sure. But of the fan league players who have played in the Schmodown, right? We've had three players come in and they were all, they were champions. Paul Yama went straight to the singles title. Chance Ellison was a team champion. Kevin Smets is the current Intergeekdom champion. What about the fan leagues, right? What about people coming out of the fan leagues makes you think that they're not going to be well-suited to the Schmodown when all of the yeah. evidence is to the contrary? Yeah, especially because if Christian's pulling them out of the fan league, they're clearing a, a, a minimum, a, you know, a minimum bar, I think. And, and Christian has to be impressed enough with them coming out of the fan leagues to, to pick them. So I think at this point, maybe we had some skepticism, a, you know, a year ago. He rewinded a year. But now I think that if you see Christian handpicking someone out of the fan league and setting them up for a success, in the main showdown, I think you got to take those people pretty seriously. And you know, these people are right. He hadn't proved himself under the lights of the real in quotation, you know, air quotes there movie trivia showdown. Uh, but he has now, I mean, the, the guy threw a perfect round. I've seen people saying, Oh, it's not a perfect round because he didn't, he didn't even make it to the third round. So how, <laughs> he didn't have to answer any third round questions. I'm like, yeah, I guess that's true. But he had a, I think he's the first person to ever have a hundred percent PPE uh, in the, in the showdown. So, uh, yeah, I think that that is really something to take into account. Yeah, Tony, good good point. Worst family player point. to date is Brandon Hanna. Uh, that's a good worst player. Agreed. I mean, kind of washed up now that he's washed a Chandru twice. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I think he has a, a big shot to go deep in, in the Intergeekdom tournament if he gets a, a decent draw. But overall, I think that at this point, if you're getting plucked from the fan league, I know it's a little bit different now with the draft, and so managers can choose their own players out of the fan league, so it's a little bit different. But anyone who might have been handpicked uh, by Christian or has the Christian stamp of approval to come into the Schmodown, they're going to be pretty good at this point. Yeah, and talking about the fan leagues too, I don't know exactly what the eligibility is going on for free agents right now, but I know on call to action tonight, and I think they just went live over there maybe, they are going through the fan league players and basically talking about who they think needs to get picked up in the in the Schmodown. So I wonder, I do wonder if if you know, if the managers see someone in the in the fan leagues, if they go and find, if they go and see Jake Marangoni is insanely good at movie trivia, which he is, and he's not on the on the the spreadsheet, the list or whatever. Uh, but you know, could could one of the managers go and say, hey, I know he lives in Australia, but if we're going to be doing this online, I want to pick Jake Marangoni because he's going to you know compete with anyone in the league. Honestly, at this point, um, Scott, are you angling to get picked up? 
You trying to get, no, on, the, get uh, on the radar? Certainly not there yet. But uh, I, I again, I wonder about the eligibility of some of these players because there are a lot of good fan league players out there that I'm sure a lot of the managers would probably like to have over to be quite honest, over a lot of the people who are on the free agents list. so I do think still a lot of it, though, and this I think we have to think about when you're putting players further down your roster, is that it really is important to have personalities on your yeah. team. If they're not going to be your top players, if they're not going to be the people who are out there competing for championships, they need to have a personality enough to convince Christian that they need a match. Like You have to have something in your back pocket to say, hey, Christian, this person's not going to be competing for a title, but I think that they should get a match, and here's X, Y, and Z reason, especially with the potentially compressed number of matches we're going to get over the course of this year that aren't, you know, competitive for a title type matches. So if you're picking a random person out of the fan league to be someone further down your roster, now maybe not, maybe you're picking them to be at the top of your roster, but if you're picking someone to be further down your roster, I think you need to make sure they're a known quantity within the schmodown. So you can say, Hey Christian, this person really needs a match. And here's why, even if they're not going to compete for a title. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think that's a very good point. Um, but okay. Robert Parker. Um, he yeah, he we'll has there. He has this match against Ace. I said to you before the match, right? I called the shot. It wasn't. It wasn't a super bold claim. Yeah. I don't think if you've ever seen Robert Parker play in a match, Scott. You don't really follow the fan league, certainly not as much. I've as I have seen do. Parker play though. That's what I was going to say. But even yeah. you had seen Robert Parker and you knew what he was about. So I said before the match, I was like, he's not missing a question in this match, and yet he did. He had. I mean, I think it's fair to say it's a perfect game. Like, if you don't get all the way to the end solely because your your opponent just doesn't have the quality, then I don't think you could really fault them for that. It's just the people like finger wagging and saying, yeah. no, 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 he's not the he's not the best ever yet because he didn't have to answer a third round question. It's whatever. The guy got 100 percent PP. And if you want to if you want to call a perfect round or a perfect game, something different, that's fine. The guy got every possible point that he could. And he's like, yeah, I think maybe I think he might be the first person. Maybe Smets did it last last year at at Spectacular. I can't remember, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's an interesting pot. Yeah, Leo correctly saying Harry Potter did ace no good here. I do want to go back to that in a second, but Tony saying players being entertaining and not there to win at all costs, they'll never do well. Yeah, Tony, I certainly don't know anyone like that in the family. Certainly not anyone who is in this chat right now uh, who, who goes for the entertainment. But yeah, if you're talking about good characters, Tony healed, ladies and gentlemen. Um, yeah, so... Um, yeah, there it is. So it did happen that, spectacular last year. Yeah, yeah that's what okay. I was thinking it might have. Yeah, and Ellis did it against JTE and lost. Um, there you go. Um, so uh, talking about um, was that a title match? How's that? How's that possible? One hundred percent PPE and lose. The only the only potential way you do that is if you bid. In I'm not, I don't know to, how that's possible. I think that match went to sudden death, but. Um, regardless, well, then he didn't get one hundred percent PPE. Anyway, I, it doesn't I, matter. I'm not sure what that comment was referring to, but. Um, yeah. Regardless, Parker uh, or Ace, like Leo said, there he he gets Harry Potter right, so he misses the Harry Potter question in round one. Which I'm not a Harry Potter guy, Scott. You felt it was you are, and you felt it was a pretty easy Harry uh, Harry Potter. Uh, question. Some of them, some of them were not not all of them. Not well, all yeah, them. but but talking about the round one question though, he he uh, misses the um, he, he misses the round one question, and then he spins Spinner's choice right in round two, and he chooses Harry Potter, and and we were like. Oh, I don't know about this, right? Like, if he can't get the round one question, that was fairly easy. Is he going to, is he going to be able to, um, you know, do well in this category? And the answer was no, right? Um, yeah. And not only did he he missed, not do very well, he missed but, four out of five questions. It was pretty brutal. Yes, and Parker, of course, picking up all the steals there because he was just, you know, calmly waiting for these questions to go over to him, um, and we all knew what was going to happen, right? Um, so Parker gets the KO. Um, He's going to have a 
bigger challenge maybe in whoever he plays in his next match. But Scott, at the end of the show, after we run through these other matches, I do want to talk about the tournament. And do we think there's anyone in this tournament who's going to challenge Robert Parker? Because I think right now, uh, well, I mean, obviously Kalinowski's in there, I guess, too. But right, right now, I think that Parker and Kalinowski um, are certainly the favorites. And I'm not sure that there's a clear third person there, but we can talk about that um, at the end of the show. But um, talking about some other, the other couple matches here, Scott, nothing too groundbreaking went on, but uh, we did see a teams match that I was interested in between Rogue Two and the Wicked. Um, this uh, Ro Rogue Two being a uh, swags team of uh, Liz Shannon Miller um, and Adam Plavik, and uh, the Wicked being Roxy's team of Jim Vavita and Jared Haben. Uh, I was mainly interested in this match, Scott, to see Jim Vavita make his return to the showdown, right? Because it had Same. been a long time since that top that match that he obviously referenced here a lot. Um, and you know, they talked about it before the match. He is one of those guys because he's, you know, he works at IGN, right? He's a film critic. Uh, he, at least he used to. I'm not sure if he's still there, but he worked at IGN for quite a while. He's a film critic. He's in like the same circles as like Bibiani and McQueenie and all of these guys who are Bible, really knowledgeable yeah. in the Schmodown. And so uh, Duralde is another one. And so, you know, you kind of tend to group him in there with these people. He's um, in with the boomers of the Schmodown. <laughs> yeah, let, let's call it what it is, I guess. But, um, so I was interested to see him come back. Obviously, Haven, we'd never seen him really in, in singles or teams. Um, and uh, and so I was interested to see, you know, is Vavita going to be rusty uh, because he hasn't played in so long? And I think the answer was yes. He did look a little rusty in this match. Um, Scott, bit. at the very least, I think what we learned from this match, obviously Adam and Liz um, did win the match 24 to 23 by TKO. Um, and, you know, picking up a win there for Swag. I think what we learned from this match is that Vavita is a solid player, right? But he's not a number one player on a team, probably. Um, maybe if you have a slightly better number two player. I mean, Haven, to be quite honest, he didn't offer a whole lot here. He had four points in, in round one. Uh, he did not, or he did get his two-point question in round three. Um, but it seemed like um, Vavita was maybe a little bit on his own in round two with the biopics irony that he spun that that they spun that again yeah but um, i mean when, when they took biopics he knew he was on his own for that sure so, um yeah. but i just don't know if vavita is strong enough i don't think he is i mean he's, he's not as strong as a bibiani you know a mcqueenie and Duralde. i don't think he can anchor a team and i think that's what we saw in this match at, at least not a, until he has a stronger second player like when he was on on top of that on IGN, like Eric Goldman, you know he's on the free agents right now. He was he was a, he was solid though. Like he was better than Jared Haven was, uh, and so yeah. I think that's why they were able to win a match or two in, in that team. Um, but talking about the other side, yeah, Leo says that he th thought Adam and Liz were a natural fit together. I agree. Uh, I think that this is a good this is a smart pairing by Roxy of two sort of underrated players, right? Like I think you tend to think of Flavic as an inner geekdom player, but as they brought it before the match, as you saw in this match, uh, you know, he had some good showings when he was with super, when he was on superhero news with Hector, who they played in the team's division, right? They wasn't, they weren't yeah. just intergeekdom players. Um, and he had seven points in the first round here. Uh, they did well in DC movies, obviously getting a strength there for, for Adam. Uh, and they didn't have to answer in round three because of the TKO. And then Liz is somebody who, okay, maybe she doesn't light up the scoreboard every time, but she almost had a title shot last year. She she had that match against Paul and lost. Um, but she is, you know, I think they complement each other well. I think that their knowledge is probably a little bit different. Um, and so I think that they are going to be a solid team. Um, 
you know, maybe not a team that can go all the way in a tournament or something, but they are a team that I like an upset alert team, right? If, if you throw them in there against, a, you know, a, a higher seated team, maybe you throw them in there against, I don't know who much the pride or something. I think that they could, they could upset a team like that who maybe is going to come into the tournament with a, with a higher record than they are. Um, I, I think that they're a good match and Scott talk about faction wise swag continues to, to succeed, right? They're right up there uh, towards the top of the leaderboard and uh, they're getting wins even from deeper down in the faction, right? With these players in Hlavik and Miller, Deeper down in the faction, um, they're, they're getting those wins. It's not just Oyama and, and Chandru who are giving them points. So Winston Marshall looking good right now. Yeah, and I mean, in fact, Oyama not getting... I mean, yes, yeah, I guess he got points with the team's match with final exam, but uh, underperformed a little bit against Roka, arguably. But anyway, yeah, totally agree. I think that they are a natural fit. I agree with what Leo was saying there in the chat. I think that uh, Liz was some, is someone who... I think it really, I mean, and Winston, I think, talked about this on backstage this week as someone who just really wanted and kind of needed to feel more supported, I think, in in her matches. She's someone who came into the Schmodown with the blessing of Ethan Irwin and, you know, being called someone who is going to be as good as Ethan Irwin. And her early matches indicated that. I mean, she beat, it was a bit of a weird match uh, against JD, JTE, but she won that match and she got that number one contender match against Oyama, the, who, yes, did win relatively comfortably in that match, but we've seen how strong Oyama is as he went on to defend the belt uh, against Jeff. And um, yeah, he's been a little bit shakier in singles since then, but a really strong player and one of the best players that we saw in the league last year. And so to have her come back and have not just a, a team, a teammate to play with in the team's division, but also have a faction behind her in singles when she ultimately does go back and, and play singles matches again, I think we're going to see a, an even stronger Liz Shannon Miller because I was someone who was skeptical of her last year. I'll admit that I was a bit skeptical, but I think I have, that this faction is exactly what she needs. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I have some more breaking news for you here. Great, um, love it. Again, Harloff, I think he's got to be watching because we have some swag news. Oh, uh, right as we're talking about swag. You're up to uh, it, baby. I have to say I'm very sad to report to you that Demi and DJ eBay and Ed Greer have been dropped by swag. Uh, Christian says that they are both not available to, co to compete due to scheduling. Swag has eight spots full with two remaining now. Um, I, I mean, we're, we're fans of Demi at DJ eBay. He's, he, he's, he's one of the best people for content wise on, on the internet. So I was hoping that he would get another match down the line because he is, is fun. And he, you know, he didn't have a bad showing in that match against, against Liz Shannon Miller. Yeah. Uh, but I understand scheduling wise, he, he is involved in a lot not of surprised. things. He he writes for TV shows. He's got podcasts and stuff like that. So not not a surprise. Ed Greer, I believe he works at Screen Junkies, or I've seen him on some stuff over at Screen Junkies uh, before on movie fights and stuff like that. Um, he's getting dropped as well. So swag with some spots opening up. Again, we talk about they're doing really well. Maybe this is a chance for them to to maybe put some pressure on the Fin Stock Exchange. You know, they still have a. a comfortable lead at the moment but i think swag right now is one of their biggest challengers i agree i think i think that's absolutely right and i don't know if i have too much more to add other than to say i think liz shannon miller is someone to watch this year i think with the support of a, a close faction and a strong manager that i like like winston i believe is i think she could really make some waves and kind of reignite sort of the excitement that she kind of generated with her you know mini run at the start of her career last year I agree. I think we will. This was definitely not the last we will see of her. I think she's going to make some noise. Um, Scott, talking about another singles match we got, Claudia Dolph against Warfather. Um, yeah, this this was quite a match. Um, 
Claudia Dolph, obviously, she was like the intriguing one coming into this match because um, she'd been moved around so much. We wondered, you know, without ever playing a match, we wondered, what's up with Claudia Dolph? Like, is is she actually, do people know some, something that we don't know about her? Um, is she going to be an ace in the hole, right? When she eventually uh, got moved to corruption, which is where she ended up after all these trades, is she going to be somebody who can, who can, you know, get a win for them? And she didn't hear, right? She went up against Warfather, someone who we had only seen in inner geekdom, you know, kind of like Haven. Um, uh, you know, we had a question mark about how they could do in singles and teams. Yeah, Leo brings up a good point. She did sweep musicals, which clearly was a strength of hers in, in round two. Uh, so I don't know how much stock to put in uh, the fact that she did well in her strength. I mean, at the very least, I think you should do that. But he rightfully says that round three was what killed her in this match. Didn't get a single question uh, right. Warfather did hit the two um, and the five, uh, which was how he was able to, to get the lead back, right? Because Claudia did have the lead going into round four. Um, so I don't think that either of these players probably are going to, you know, m make any kind of noise probably in the singles division. Who knows if we'll see Claudia again, right? It's with how many players there are in the league. It's tough when you go in there and you, you lose a match, if, if you're not lighting it up on the scoreboard and like sending it to sudden death or anything like that in a loss, um, you know, who knows what's, uh, what's going to happen with you if, in terms of getting another match. Yeah. And Leo, I, yeah, I was going to say that Leo is right. That Warfather is now going to play Brett Sheridan in a match, which uh, should be full of character. Scott, we could be looking at a two and O Warfather in the singles division. How do you feel about that? <laughs> we could be looking at a two and O Brett Sheridan. How do you feel we about that? We could be looking at a two and O Brett Sheridan. Um, Look, like that, the match, like what I do, I do I favor Warfather over Brett Sheridan. Yes, marginally, I guess. Like they, what Claudia and Warfather both scored four points. Brett got three, four points in round one. I don't remember what he got. It's been a while. Um, but yeah, like this match is definitely one of those that I was describing an entertainment focused match, not meant to light up the scoreboard. And I'll give him credit. Warfather does that. Like, even if he lost, you know, maybe he probably wouldn't have got another match, but he's the type of player who's going to get another match of the people who lose their first matches because of the character that he brings, especially so when he wins and then you can put him up against someone like Brett Sheridan, who I think Christian was just probably struggling to find a second match for well, him. But I mean, let's be honest here. I think that, I mean, people love Brett Sheridan and they love the fact that he is undefeated right now, despite not knowing very much about movies. So I think Christian knows exactly what he's doing here. Yeah. He's putting him up against an opponent against whom he has a chance to go to two and oh, right. And he has a yeah. chance to keep this, like the banter going. If he, if he can beat Warfather. obviously this magical run is going to come to an end at some point. But I think Christian, again, like I said, he knows what he's doing. I think he's, he's giving Brett a fighting chance in this match. Sure. Uh, against someone who, you know, won a match, but kind of like Brett, not sure where they're going to go from here. T totally agree. And that's why I say I totally see what's going on here. And it makes sense. You have to have these types of matches. Yes, I'm I'm kind of rolling my eyes and, and you know, scoffing a little bit. But, you like, the league needs these types of matches, and I'm happy that they're happening. Am I as into Brett as a lot of people in the SEN community are? No, but that's okay. I'll, I'll still watch this match, and it'll still be fun. And and I'm and I'm about it. It's it's absolutely it's fun. Uh, would I prefer to to watch other players? Sure, but if well, a completely separate com conversation that also goes back to maybe Jeff Snyder earlier this week, the league needs variety in the content that it, that it's putting out. Um, you don't always need to see the Finstock Exchange top four players doing death matches with Jeff Snyder and 
Mark Andreco and Paulo Yam. You don't need the same 10 players just consistently playing matches. You need to mix it up. And I'm glad that the league exists on this end of the table, too. Yeah, as a flirt and flouse getting a shout out. I don't know exactly how the logistics on that work, right? Is 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 the flouse a different player than Brett Sheridan? Would well, would I, I think Finstock is different than Bobby Gucci, so maybe. Yeah, that's that's a good point. It kind of works the same way, but uh, yeah, uh, who knows what Brett is going to do during his next match? But I'm sure it will be very entertaining. Scott, last match to talk about here, very briefly, is. Brittany Young and Jader Paramo way back a few weeks ago at the start of this month. Um, Jader, obviously being the guy who won the Orlando, um, you know, event that they had there for the competition to see who would get to play a match. Um, and uh, Brittany Young being someone who we saw in a celebrity match, the Glow match. She's she's off of the show Glow. So, you know, a, a couple of interesting players here just with, you know, some slight experience uh, to see what they could do. Um, and it was kind of a back and forth match. Uh, Jader looked like he, he was strong in round one, round two, he struggled with his crime questions. Um, but then he was able to, to get his three there in round, round, um, round three and Brittany not able to pull out her tougher two questions there, the three and five. Uh, so Jader, uh, getting the win, um, I, I don't, I believe it was set up who he was going to play next. Um, and if somebody remembers who that was in, in the chat, you can tell it, it might've been the barbarian, but, um, I, I want to say that maybe the barbarian crashed his interview, but, uh, the barbarian crashed a lot of interviews. I'm not sure who he actually was meant to be playing. We don't know if the, we don't know if the fact that, um, that Jader has been traded now is going to affect anything. Uh, obviously he's still not in the same faction as the barbarian. So if it was the barbarian, uh, he could probably still play against, uh, him because barbarian is in the exchange, but, um, but Jader getting a win, right? So I think we will we will see him again. Uh, and now that he's been the subject of a trade, um, I think that Burnett is probably going to want to going to be fighting for him to get another match, especially so that that he can get something from this trade. Brittany Young, another one of those players like Dolph, where we wonder, you know, if, if this was her, the beginning and the end of her career, right? Is, was this her her swan song? Uh, Maybe yeah, I think she is someone who might come back, though. We'll see. Yeah, it's it's always possible. It will it will depend on scheduling. But Scott, what do you think about Jader? Obviously, Barbarian very impressive in his first match. Do you think that the Hurricane has a chance to give the Barbarian a run for his money if these two do meet, or do you think that the Barbarian is going to continue steamrolling people? Honestly, Scott, I think Barbarian is going to steamroll him. I think <laughs> that he did perform well in round one. He got seven points, absolutely, which is better than his opponent and is better than some people have been getting. Although, of course, there's been the constant argument about whether or not round one is easier this year, which I'm just kind of tired of at this point, but he got seven points in round one. That's a pretty good score, but uh, he thought he was good at crime movies and he got rocked by that category in round yeah. two. So I don't want to overweight that too much. Cause if you spin a strength on the wheel, all of a sudden things look a lot different in the match, but the barbarian, even though we have just, I mean, besides the Jurassic park exhibition match that debuted this week, we, we also really only have one data point, but I just have this sense that he, that barbarian is, the type of player who's going to be competing for a title. Maybe that's just because everyone in the exchange has been walking around the Schmodown and saying, this guy's going to have a belt. Like he's the next person to like challenge for a belt. That's kind of new to the league. So maybe I'm just getting influenced by that a little bit too much, but he just seems like the kind of person who doesn't really have a weakness. And I don't think Jader is that way. And so that doesn't always mean that the person without a weakness is going to win the match. Cause again, you spend the right categories, you pick the right numbers in round three, it can be your day, but I just, I would definitely give the edge to the barbarian. I think he's the type of player 
who could really put together some a series of really strong performances and maybe even a series of KOs because he did get a KO in his first match uh, to, to really rack up some points for the exchange further down their, their roster. Yeah, uh, I, I agree there. Um, okay, Scott. I can't wait for him to play Goddard if that's who he ends up playing longer term. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, Scott. Um, there, we had a few exhibition matches. I don't think we need to go through them one by one, but they were they were pretty fun matches. Um, I have actually haven't watched the Back to the Future one yet because I'm not a huge Back to the Future person. But it's I a great match. I just watched it before the podcast. Okay. Um, I do want to comment on the new releases match. A couple of things, though. First of all, I loved seeing how into it. Paulo Yama was because like, you know, this was an exhibition match. I mean, there was a, a title on the line, right? A, a new, a new uh, exhibition title or whatever, a new releases title. But um, the Paul was like really into it in a way that we haven't, re- we don't even really see him into it like that in the showdown. So I thought that that was kind of fun that he was obviously, um, you know, pretty, pretty ecstatic about the match and, you know, he won the match. So, but I do want to talk about in round three of this match, potentially around five. I can't remember. Was it a five rounder? It was. Yeah. I don't know why it was, but it was five rounds. Potentially the hardest question that has ever been asked in the movie trivia showdown was the question asked to Brendan Meyer about the film, just mercy. And the question was, uh, of the cast members in just mercy, how many of them have been in the MCU? And upon clarification, because I, I mean, Brendan asked the question that I think everyone had when they heard this, uh, you know, what are you talking about when you say the main cast members? And Mark says, anyone who is listed in the opening credits of the movie. Um, so what you are talking about here with this question is, you're talking about knowing, you know, seven or eight names, at least down the line of who is in Just Mercy. And then you're talking about taking all of those names and moving that over to the MCU and 20-something movies where all kinds of actors pop up in small bit parts and everything. It is an insanely difficult question. It wasn't even a five-pointer, <laughs> um, I, I believe. I think it was like a three-pointer to, 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 to try and balance that in the limited amount of time that you have. I think that, personally, I think that Mark misinterpreted how the question was written. I think that the question was meant to ask about the, th- the three leads, right, of Michael B. Jordan, Brie Larson, and Jamie Foxx. How many of them have been in the MCU? The answer is two. Jamie Foxx hasn't. The other two have. Um, I think that that was what the question was meant to ask, and Mark kind of got confronted with that, and he kind of just said something. Although, I mean, Tim Blake Nelson, I guess, was part of the answer. So so I guess Mark was probably right about that. Um, but, like, we've seen Just Mercy. Tim Blake Nelson, I mean, he has a, a – decently sized supporting role in the movie. But again, if you're talking about getting all the way down this cast list, like yeah. it, it's ridiculous what you're asking him to do on this question. And yeah, I don't I think actually, it would have made a difference. Go ahead, sorry, go ahead. It wouldn't have made a difference in the end, I don't think. Um, but uh, I think so. I, I, because Brendan, I think was pretty far behind by the time we got to round five. But I mean, just just a weird moment that that definitely stuck out to me. And Tim Blake Nelson, hard to remember, right? Because he was in the, the Incredible Hulk too. I know. So I, I so I did end up getting this question right, but because I thought I just for some reason thought Rafe Spall had been in an MCU movie. Uh, I didn't know which one. I just had this feeling that Rafe Spall. Had, so I got it right, but for the wrong reason, which I think is like the only way you get that question and it's right. A, it's an easy mistake to make, right? Like I'm saying, because there are so many actors in the MCU even popping up in like bit parts and stuff. It's easy to think of somebody like 
Rafe Spall or like I'm trying to think who else is in that movie, but any um, of the people in the jail. I mean, yeah, what's his name? R Rob Morgan, the guy who plays the his neighbor in jail. Like you could yeah. think, sure, he was probably in a movie at some point, right? It's just there's 23 movie. of them. They they must have been in one of them. Yeah. Um, that that but, honestly, I will say this is just a meta comment about the whole league. I love questions that be like what mcu actor was in this thing because it doesn't even mean anything anymore it's every it's like <laughs> honestly it's for me just like listening to the questions it's more distracting to hear what mcu actor because honest to god it doesn't like it doesn't help me at all in those questions because usually it's just like what minor character from ant-man and the wasp that, that was one the other day it was mm -hmm. like rick Wu was the or no i can't remember what it was like what mcu actor there's one that was just like super random i'm forgetting right now and i was just like Honestly, it hurt me because I started thinking about MCU movies more than the actual question that was being asked. That, that's a side comment. I just think those are the most hilarious questions in, in the Schmodown now. Yeah, that, I, I agree, and especially in this context here. But uh, Pollyama won that match. He took the belt off of uh, off of Perry Nemiroff. Dan Merle, um, I think he might be washed, Scott. Visibly, I will say, <laughs> he looked visibly frustrated at the yeah. end of the match. He's not used to this type of uh, this yeah, type. He took back-to-back -back losses. In right, this, of course, uh, he did also lose in the champion of champions match uh, between him, Roka, Smets, and Damon, which was a, a fun and close match, I must say, Scott. Um, Damon, I was impressed by his knowledge. Obviously, he, he get, did get Star Wars in round two, so that went the way you expected it to. Yeah, but, I mean, Smets got, star, got inter geekdom categories in every question in round two and round three, so yeah, I he think really he got. Lucky. I think he only missed one question in round one. I think he got you know one or two right in round round three. So I mean, Damon did pretty well surprisingly for general movie trivia. But Kevin Smets was the surprise winner here. I say surprise at the same time, Scott. He got so lucky with his categories in this match. Pretty much yep. getting like inner geekdom uh, categories all the way through in round two and round three. And he so, did, yeah, he did. Yeah, and so it, it's it's not when when you take that into account, it's not hard to understand why he won the match. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't have picked him going into this match for sure. And he's able to outlast Dan and Roca. Do you think he he considers playing a singles match at any point? No, I don't, I don't think he does. Um, maybe he considers going to Star Wars, but I don't even think that. I know that there's the whole talk around. He's like wants to go into teams. But Kaiser's like, no, you can't. You just got to focus on inner geekdom as long yeah. as you have the belt. You can think about it if you lose the belt. But as long as you have the belt, you have to focus on that, which I think is the right move. I think it'd be the, it'd be the very, very much the wrong move to go into singles. Maybe he could do teams, but I don't think singles would be the right move for him. And I think that if anything, his mentality going into this match, I mean, he certainly has the ability to study for singles, right? Obviously, it's a much wider base. You have to cover a lot more categories and a lot more ground, but he has the ability to do it. He, we've seen what he's done in Intergeekdom. He can take those strategies and methods and, and apply them to singles. Maybe not to the same success rate across every movie imaginable, but generally speaking, he can 80-20 it, not unlike a Ben Bateman or someone like that in terms of the study, and Mike Kalinowski even as well, maybe. And so he, he could do it. But I think as long as he has that inner geekdom belt, that's where his focus is going to stay. And you can see that from talking about his strategy in this interview after the match, talking about my goal was to get five or six right in the first round. Out of ten, his goal was to get five or six right yeah. out of ten in the first round, and then get lucky in rounds two and rounds three to win the match. And he did he did that, getting his questions in rounds two and rounds three that are going to be in his categories. But he did do a little bit better than five or six points. But to show you that was his mentality going into the match, it tells you where he's at relative to singles competition, I think. Yeah, that that, that is a fair point, I think. Um, but cool for him to to get a win. He can, he can always say he is 
the champion of champions, I guess, in the in the showdown after this match. But until uh, next year, Jurassic Park match, Scott. Uh, you know, we talked about the Barbarian not missing a question in his singles match. He also didn't miss a question in this uh, Jurassic Park match. He ran the table and he was able to beat uh, the defending champion again. Perry losing another belt. Um, uh, sorry, sorry to say for Perry's sake that uh, it was it hasn't been a great exhibition period for her, but it's been fun to see her. She's been she's been matches. close in both though. She got second she place down to the wire in both. So yeah, Co Cody Hall, uh, you know, a, a little bit more of a distant third, certainly more uh, than he was in the, when he played Perry last year in that first match. But uh, still, all, I mean, it's great to see Cody in a match. I lo love love Cody. So um, Barbarian, very impressive though in this match. I'm not sure there's much more to say than that uh, because. You know, these Jurassic Park questions are going to be rare when they come up in the actual Schmodown. But he obviously knows these movies like the back of his hand. I mean, he wasn't hesitating on any of the answers. No, he wasn't. And I will say, I think the thing that got me, Scott, and I know that you hadn't watched. Did you watch the match today? Is that what you did? I did. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I was I was messaging you when I was watching last night. And the thing that just really hit home, uh, obviously, with everything that's been going on in his personal life, actually mm -hmm. getting to have his his now, unfortunately, late wife. Um, come, you know, watch, watch in the stream and actually come onto the, onto the stream before the match started. Um, obviously she was still alive when the match was taped and then, and, you know, things have happened in the meantime. Uh, we obviously send our, our best wishes to him and all the, and his, and her family and, uh, you know, all their family members. But I mean, that really hit home cause I wasn't expecting that at all when I turned the match on and, uh, to see that in the first few minutes, but to know also what's happened since then was, it was pretty, honestly, it was Scott, it was pretty tough to watch. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I mean, I will say as tough as it was to watch, I think this was like a nice tribute to have of her Absolutely. Right? Like, with it happening. Absolutely. So so with the match coming out so soon after her passing away, uh, you know, for the reasons you bring up, it was it was great to have that tribute to her. And, and he'll always, you know, have that documented of her, of her, you know, showing up to, to root him on. So yeah, hard to watch, but I think a good thing in a good and, way. Yeah. yeah. There's hard to watch in a, in a bad way, obviously, of course, but I, I want to be clear that hard to watch it in a good way. Absolutely. Um, back to the future match, Scott, like I said, haven't checked this one out yet, but you want to say anything about it? I don't care if you spoil. Well, yeah, I, I won't spoil it. Um, cause I think it's worth watching cause it goes oh. down to the last question. I will say this much. I, do you know who's in it? It's, um, boat is in it. I know that. Yeah. The boat. Cause he wrote the book on start on, on back to the future. Uh, Frank Janish, so you have a little rundown competition there, and then Kevin Smets, and uh, oh my gosh, oh, so it was supposed to be Mark and Draco had to go out the last second, and Jay Washington came in apparently on like four hours' notice. I will say this Jay Washington does very well for having okay. four hours' notice on this match. Um, he put in a very admirable performance. I will spoil it and tell you that he did not win, but he put in a very good performance, uh, to stay in there, and it comes down to the five point questions all around any, you know, after the first person of the three that were left answered their five point question, you know, anyone could have won. And, uh, it was a fun match for that reason, but, uh, yeah, watch it. All it's right. worth it. I will. Um, all right, Scott, last thing to talk about, uh, looking ahead to the tournaments, right. Yeah. Um, and particularly the intergeekton tournament, because we do know some of the players who are going to be playing in this tournament. Um, and I want to go back to the question I brought up a couple of minutes ago. Obviously, Parker and Kalinowski are the two favorites here. I mean, I think Parker, I think he's going to do it. I, he may not miss a question the whole tournament, but um, yeah. th that that will be, I think, the bigger challenge for him. Will he miss a question or not? But anyone else in this tournament of the players announced who you could see giving either of them a challenge? 
Yeah. So I think the the trick question there is like of the players announced. I think that Chance Ellison is underrated. Obviously, Mike is always going to have more of the talk coming out of corruption. But I think I think Chance is someone to watch. We saw him perform really well, and I believe it was like a, it was a four way or a five way that Chandru and Brandon Hanna were in, and he was right up there uh, with Chandru and Brandon Hanna in that. And if he's actually you know spending a little bit more time preparing for that. We don't know that he is because obviously they have a title shot in teams right now. So we don't exactly know what the preparation is going to be for him or for Mike, for that matter. Honestly, I'm, I'm really not sure what to expect on either front. So I think that they're just a little bit uh, of a wild card. I think the more interesting thing to think about is the people who haven't been confirmed, even just of the people who are listed to compete in the tournament right now. I don't know if I'd go out on a limb and pick any of them over Parker uh, or Kalinowski or Chance. But I think that there's some big question marks, whether someone like Alex Damon at the Rockstars is going to be playing. Paulo Yama. Paulo Yama, absolutely. Um, it'll be, I'll be interested to see from Swag who the second player is that they pick, if it's not. I mean, I'm assuming they take Oyama. Maybe not. I think it's a good... It's a. I think it would be a smart move uh, to put Oyama into this, but I think that picking Adam Lavic or, or Ace Cabrera, probably leaning a little bit more towards... Adam Lavick there just to see if he can rekindle something. And absolutely, I was about to say that talking about the exchange here, I think it's psycho not to pick the Barbarian uh, and put him in here, especially since we know that Dan Merle's not going to be competing. Yeah. I think Barbarian's a no-brainer. I have no idea what his level of preparation is for it, but I think you're kind of playing with house money, throwing him in there. If he, if he is as good as promised and does well, then all of a sudden you've got yourself a bunch more points. And then, yeah, giving Emily Rose Jacobson another shot is absolutely the right pick. We'll see how deep she is. We'll see how Sorry, not how deep she how deep she goes and how strong she is because Damon was always going to be a hard match under the lights of a live event, especially in Atlanta, uh, with her first match honestly in a while. I think uh, that was always going to be a tough one, but I think that this provides her a second chance that she otherwise might not have gotten this year. Honestly, um, not sure if she would have gotten another chance uh, in this league if not for this sixteen person tourney. Uh, and I'm interested. I'm interested to see what the Barbarian etc. can do. I think the Mercs are in a bit of a weird position as well. Who they're going to be picking? I looked at the list and honestly, no one jumped immediately off the page. I'm guessing Tim Franco is going to play, but I don't really know for sure and honestly have no freaking clue who the yeah. second person is going to be. Um, someone in the chat, tell me if you know more about the Mercs than I do. Uh, but that's where I'm at. And then, like I said, Alex Damon, it seems like the, maybe Josh Cavado, but if he's stuck in Star Wars, maybe you put Jared Habon in. I think that's not the strongest player to have in the Intergeeton tournament, in my opinion, but... Maybe he can conjure some some magic of his quadruple KO match that he had at the beginning of was that season five I think a couple years ago. Yeah, but yeah, it's uh, I think it's up in the air right now. Just of the confirmed players, it's Robert Parker at the top because I because Mike just isn't prepared. I don't think he's because he wasn't planning on making a he run in our game. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think Mike. I mean, by the end of the tournament, if he if they are on opposite sides of the draw and he is able to piece together wins, maybe he gets there for when he plays Parker. But I would give the edge to Parker just because of the level of preparation that's been had. But you just can't, you can't count Mike out. I mean, whenever you count Mike out, it's when he comes back punching even harder. I mean, look at what happened in Season 5. Obviously, he gets absolutely just destroyed by Rachel Cushing and JTE in that, in that triple threat match at the start of the year and came back and you know was arguably one of the top players that year. And was arguably one of the top players last year as well. So uh, he has plenty, plenty of fuel left in the tank, I'd imagine. And so it's hard to count him out if he is if he is able to get a couple wins under his belt and, and get his feet wet uh, back in the IG division. 
Yeah, I mean, the person that I was going to mention, and we, we talked about him for a second, but he it's not confirmed yet if he does decide to play, is Paul Oyama, right? Because yep. he uh, was a fandom team's champion in, in the fan leagues. So he, I mean, for those who don't know about fandom, it is an Interheatum Plus league over in, in Multiplex, which means that they have ca- categories beyond the, the normal Interheatum category. So you could argue, I don't want to get in this argument, but you could argue that it's tougher than the Intergeekdom division, potentially. Again, I know what the categories are now for fandom. Paul won quite a while ago, so I'm not sure exactly what it was like then. But like right now, you got apes in there. You got uh, YA dystopia. You have a bunch of other stuff in addition to God. you know, the traditional Intergeekdom categories. So I think Paul is a sleeper uh, because people, you know, we've only seen him in general movie trivia. But again, if you know the fan league history, then you know that he has some experience in in intergeekdom uh type type matches and so we'll see what he can do if he gets in there i think i think he should give it a shot i think this is a great time for him to give it a shot because it is hard for him to make it out to california um i think is he back in hawaii now i think so i'm not sure but um you know because this is an opportunity for him to get all a bunch of matches well he's still at home so i mean i think that would make sense for him to do it um Yeah, Brandon and Warfather representing Burning Jerks, right? Um, yeah, sorry, I don't super see them going that deep at the tournament, but mm-hmm. um, Brandon Hanna, he might. I hope he does. I hope he is able to kind of re, you know, reconjure chip on his shoulder. Yeah, yeah, he certainly has a chip on his shoulder. I'm just not sure that that fueled him to a win over Chandru, but Chandru has a title shot, so it's a little bit different. They might be getting different quality of players than Chandru in your first couple rounds, but I think honestly that leaves a big question: is how is this tournament going to be seated, Scott? Yeah, you'd expect Mike to be the number one seed just because of his prestige mm-hmm. in the Intergeekdom League. Is Robert Parker going to be a two seed? Or is Robert Parker going to be in the mix just with one match having been played? Is he going to be in the mix in random seeds? How is it going to be put? I think Christian's crazy not to selectively place Parker into the other side of the draw from Mike, but we'll see how he approaches it. We will. Um, okay, Star Wars tournament, last thing to hit. Um, we don't... I mean, I'm looking for players. I'm going with kidnaps. <laughs> yeah, uh, fair, fair enough. But um, I think we have a general idea. Like we talked about it earlier on of, of who's going to be in here. You got Laura Kelly, Sean Sullivan. Um, Demolanta. You got Adam Witt. Um, you have Andrew, Andrew Demolanta. Yeah. Um, you know, out of these people, obviously Laura Kelly has played a title shot before. Don't know about Scrimshaw, whether he will be back. Which faction is, is Scrimshaw in? Isn't he in the Mercs? Okay, that sounds right. Yeah, um, but out of out of the Star Wars players who we know are out there in the league, who do you think um, is gonna gonna do this and has a good chance of of being the next to challenge uh, Alex Damon? I think it's a great question. My gut just tells me that like, why would it not be Joseph Scrimshaw again? Like, honestly, he's the most consistently proven player in the league. He won that Star Wars celebration four way, five way, whatever it was. Uh, to qualify for the title match the next day. And he beat all these other players that we're talking about. He beat, I mean, we have been talking a little bit about Molly Damon. He beat Laura Kelly. He beat Andrew DeMolanta. You know, he's beaten all these guys. And I, it's not clear to me that he wouldn't do that again. Yeah. I don't know if Ken is really in, in fighting shape for Star Wars. I think he's a big question mark. If he gets back to where he was when he had that Titanic match against Whitwer. He could definitely be definitely be in contention. The thing with these Star Wars matches, and, it, and it's hard because we see very few of them besides the title matches with Damon, is that even though Damon is an absolute god among men in the Star Wars division, 
most of these other players are still getting like 25 points. Yeah, in Wars match. they're not far behind. It's not like Intergeekdom where you have a huge chasm for sure. Yeah, it's it's a lot of really, really strong players. And Alex Damon, who is just impossible to beat, it feels like, especially in the five round matches uh, that he's now just so ac- accustomed to. He probably doesn't even know what a three round match is anymore, honestly. But yeah, I think that it's it's hard to pick because I think all of these players who we're talking about who would fill out the rest of this eight-person bracket are are similar quality players. Honestly, I think like six of them are probably similar quality players. And so it's just going to come down to who gets the deepest cut question that's just random or just outside of their reach. It's going to come down to really thin margins, even, even more thin margins than I would expect uh, in inner geekdom or singles or teams. It, it's going to be a really fun tournament to watch because it's going to be really fun for you know your average viewer to get to see more than just the title matches now. You're going to get to see the equivalent of, you know yes, we saw the Demolanta Kelly match. That was the number one contender. And I think you maybe could have seen the celebration match. Actually, no, they never could end up airing that, right? Because it was inside the event. They never got it licensed. Or something like yeah. that. We did have we did have Sullivan versus Wit this year too, of course. We did also have Sullivan versus Wit. That's true. But it, it'll be nice to have a string of matches like this. That yes, they're leading to a title match in theory. I don't know. I know it's still undecided whether or not they would get a title match, but leading up to something. But I think it'll just be fun to see eight faces in yeah. Star Wars matches that don't immediately then lead to a match with Damon. Like you get multiple matches from them. Um, so I'm 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 really excited for that. Yeah, I think Demolanta is one to watch here. Even though he's, I guess, zero and two technically. Uh, that yeah, I think, poor guy. That, like you said, he very much belies what his knowledge is. And you know, since his last match, like he has a Schmodown podcast that he does now with his wife. Oh, like cool. he's very much into the Schmodown. So I think he is. Yeah. And Laura really Kelly doesn't know how to function without her without her previous manager, probably. So I don't yeah. know if she's ready for that. He's really going to want to win, I think, when he gets oh, yeah. back in there. So he might he might do the, go the extra mile to make sure that he knows. Yeah, I mean, it, his match did come down to the end against Laura, but um, and he's part of the exchange. Those guys are ready and there to yeah. you know grill grill him to death on that and you know on Star Wars. And I mean, I don't know how how good Barbarian in particular, or even Roca, right, or Riley, but he has other members who are familiar with Star Wars on his team. Dan Merle too, who's competing in Interdictum, like. He has a strong group of people around him who maybe he's better than them at Star Wars, but certainly good enough to push him and push him further and continue to motivate him even more than he already has to get to the next level. The level that he's at, though, is just so tight up there with everyone else that he definitely could end up in the finals and even winning the tournament. But he draws the wrong player in the first round and he loses by one point. That's just how I think you can see this tournament going. It's just that thin of margins, but maybe I'll be wrong and there'll be KOs. I don't know. We will see, but it'll be fun to watch, Scott. And once again, I'm just glad we're getting matches that count. Um, I think going to StreamYard was a smart move for Christian to make. I agree. Yeah, we'll see how things develop if things open up. And after the end of these tournaments, they can go back in the studio. But longer term, I think they're still, I think they're they're to a point now where they're starting to plan longer term, months and months and months before they're getting back in the studio, even beyond these tournaments. Um, so I think it's a good sign. It's a good sign that they're willing and able to to budge on, on, on this point because it was a point of contention early on, and I'm, I'm glad they got past it. Indeed. All right, Scott. Well, this was really fun. Um, I think that should just about do it for... Action standings episode. update? Yes, we? we should do that before we go. Uh, yeah, I, I would say share your screen, but... <laughs> no, 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 I'm not risking well it. Time, <laughs> I'm not but, risking it. Uh, yeah, let, update us on where the factions are. Well, the Finstock Exchange are... Just where we left them, I, I don't think that they had a match uh, this month. 
correct me if I'm wrong. So they're still sitting at the top at 16 points, even without a match in April. I mean, we really did only have four, I guess, five matches if you count the first week of May here uh, since since we last recorded. Then it's the Den and Swag. Again, I think pretty consistent there in terms of the positions that they have. Swag staying in that upper part of the table. Uh, surprisingly strong performance. I shouldn't say surprisingly. I thought that they had a great draft early on. And the fact that Shandrew has a title match coming up is a guaranteed point at the very least, even if he doesn't beat Smets. Um, and I think lots of good prospects is there as well. I think if you rock it down to the other side of the table, the big talking points are the teams that only have one win so far. Corruption at two points, the Mercs at three points, and the Dungeon with four points. Their one Robert Parker win being very valuable for them uh, with, the, with the total four points there. We'll see with the Interdictum and the Star Wars tourney coming up if those teams' fortunes can turn around because Corruption and the Dungeon I think have a lot of firepower, especially in both of those divisions. Uh, the Mercs, I'm a little worried for them. They haven't gotten many matches. They've only played in, I think, basically two matches this year because they technically had two people in that three-way, that triple threat match at the beginning of the season. And then beyond that, they just have not been able to get a match uh, in the Schmodown. So I don't even are, know if that's going to change. Are the real rejects in the Mercs? I oh, yeah, let me check that. I think um, they are, and if so, obviously they are next. They are playing next week in our final match that we're getting against the Pride. So yeah, they are. So that's a good call. So they are going to get a match next mm -hmm. week. I don't. I don't know if they're technically. I think they probably are the favorites for that match just because they played more matches than the yeah, Pride. I, I don't know if you. I mean, would you pick them next week against the Pride? No. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Um, we'll but we'll see. We'll see if the heels can can pull it out uh, <laughs> over there. But yeah, no, I think that. They need to win that match. And right now, the real rejects is pretty much all the Mercs have going for them. Because unless you put the kid or William Bibiani in these tournaments, the Mercs aren't going to get a match for a while. Tim Franco, like I said, maybe going into the tournament, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know if he'd really be strong enough to win. Obviously, he's good with James Bond. We know that. He's going to be in the James Bond exhibition match. But that doesn't translate to points right now. Um, so they need to figure something out there. Or they might be really, honestly, a distant last place uh, when these tournaments settle down. But overall, uh, not too much movement in this past month in the Schmodown. The Rock Stars trying to gain a little bit of momentum, but stalling a little bit. You know, losing that that team's match with Haven and, and Veveda was a bit of a setback. And I think Roxy really is trying to to angle and figure out what to do with her faction because honestly, as much as she's tried to point fingers at the Finstock Exchange and say there's problems right there, I think she's got a bigger problem with Jeff Snyder and her faction right now, uh, causing causing trouble. We'll see if that all blows over as well. But it'd be ironic, I think, if she ends up having a big tumult in her faction when she spent most of the season trying to tell everyone how the Finsock Exchange is on fire uh, internally. But we'll see how things shape up, especially uh, a couple months from now when these tournaments are behind us. We'll obviously record again before then. Uh, but I think there's a lot of developments coming over the next few months and a lot of a lot of movement with these high point value matches. Indeed. Um, okay. Well, that should do it. Um, thanks again for joining us in the chat. This was really fun. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, please throw us a like on the YouTube video. Leave us a comment. Uh, do that type of stuff on the YouTube video because obviously this is our first time over on future presentations. And, you know, if you like what we did here, if you like this live stream, we'll try to do some more. We'll, we'll try to, you know, obviously we do this monthly, but you know, if there, if there's demand, we could, we could do uh, a, another episode. Maybe we'll yeah. do a reaction or something sometime. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but the possibility, we should do a tournament preview, like an actual tournament preview when things get confirmed. We yeah. could do that. Um, 
absolutely. But so, so keep an eye out on the channel and keep an eye out for everything else that's going on over here on this channel, because there's so much great stuff, whether it's the trivia league on, on the weekends, whether it's uh, fantasy film fights, all of the shows that they have during the week. Uh, this there's, there's just a lot of great stuff going on here over on feature presentations. So please check it out. There's something almost every night here. Um, and please check us out um, everywhere. Uh, links are in the description below for our podcast feed, our Twitter and stuff like that. But some like it, Scott is the podcast feed where you can find everything on Spotify, Apple podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we also have our general movie podcast over there. Of course, some like it, Scott, please check that out as well. We're still doing episodes every week. Um, and, and so, yeah. Um, and, and please, you know, again, please keep your eyes out. We'll be posting and stuff about, um, when the next champs lunch is coming until then for Scott Shelton, I'm Scott Harvey. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time. Thanks everyone. Hello everyone. And welcome to a special stream of champs lunch. You know, last week we were here, we said maybe we'll do in a couple weeks or in, in next month, you know, cause we usually do these, uh, these every month, but, uh, so much happened in the last week, um, that we decided, Hey, let's, let's do another stream this week. And then on top of that, we had a real, we have a really great guest, um, who is, is going to be coming in here in just a minute to talk to us and was just picked up this week, uh, actually, in free agency. So we're excited to, to talk to him in just a moment. Before we do that, Scott, how are you? I'm doing well, Scott. Uh, what is this? Was this week 10? I mean, I've completely lost count now what week Has we're in. Has it been that uh, many already? It's been quite a few. I mean, it's been more than two months. I know that. But overall, okay. you know, if there was a lull at all in terms of the schmodown that might have happened you know, through April, maybe the very beginning of May. Boy, did things sure take off. Uh, of course, last week when we were talking about all the things that we talked about on the show when it came to the trades that we saw happening, but then this week, things weren't done with the trades because free agency happened. Things uh, were, were really crazy there. I think it was on Monday. And really now all we have to do is uh, look forward to a Star Wars tournament, an intergame tournament, and a singles tournament. So Things are back up and running again, it seems like, even though it's not in person, obviously, but back up and running, and we're going to be getting more than our fair share of content, and we have lots to talk about today. We do indeed, um, and we'll start by talking about free agency, and we'll have our special guest here. You know, Scott, last week we were kind of speculating about who was going to be picked up on the free agents. We thought that maybe a fan league player or two um, would get picked up. Some names had been thrown out there, and to be honest, uh, this guy who we're, we're going to be talking to tonight, he wasn't someone that I don't I think was on our radar as could be making it into the Schmodown, not because of his lack of ability, but because just his name wasn't mentioned. He has, he's relatively new in the fan leagues compared to some of the other names that were circulating around. Uh, but when he popped up on, uh, on the stream with Christian, I was, uh, really happy because, uh, we, we have some history in the fan leagues. And so, uh, we're going to just welcome him in right now. The newest member of corruption is here, Adam Collins, Adam, how's it going? Evening gentlemen. It's going well, uh, had to set up shop in the bedroom. Because uh, the wife is having a virtual wine night, but I am uh, comfortable and happy to be here. Great. Um, yeah. Well, uh, gl glad you could uh, find some space to do that. Yeah. But um... <laughs> Get creative. Adam, how yeah. would you like to know that the first thing that Scott Harvey messages me after he sees your name come across the announcement that you're, you know, you're being uh, drafted is not the right word, I guess, but picked up by by corruption is, OMG. I took a Schmodown player to overtime and it was sudden death. <laughs> that was his first reaction. And uh, he was pretty, pretty excited for you to, for you to get in there. 
Well, I, I appreciate the kind words. And uh, uh, yeah, Scott Scott and I both had a really great debut in Multiplex um, uh, last year. And uh, it was one for the record books for sure. Uh, and, and and honestly, it's, it's one of many competitive matches I've had in the fan leagues, as I'm sure you gentlemen are familiar with. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are, are familiar with your work in the fan leagues. You've played in pretty much most of the major leagues, and I do want to talk about that. But before we do that, let's go all the way back to the beginning, and let's talk about how did you first get into the Schmodown? When did you first become a fan uh, of, of the Schmodown? Was it season one, or did it take you a little bit to find it? How did that happen? So I dialed into the whole Schmoes network in 2015 um, with all the buzz building towards Force Awakens. I got hooked on Jedi Council at the time and the rest is history. So the Schmodown came along with that later and I naturally gravitated towards it. I've always had uh, a real knack for trivia and a real obsession with it. So when the Schmodown really hit its stride in the second season and third season, it just was an addiction. Um, and I've been just a, a religious supporter ever since <laughs> been to every, uh, New York live event. I'm an East coaster. So, okay. I would note your partner is here. Your former, uh, family partner, Brandon is here. Um, long live weird density indeed. Um, yeah. So at, at that point when you discovered it, did you, did you just like dive right in? Did you go back and watch all of the old matches and was it just like, you know, religiously every week waiting for the new matches to go up and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember um, the real onboarding point for Schmodown was the Campia Dan Merle match uh, at the beginning of that season. Um, and that was kind of like what kind of revamped it in, in my opinion um, from what it was in the original Schmoes no show. Um, so I went back and watched some of those original matches, but yeah, I, I mean, honestly, ever since the Campia Merle match, I've, I've watched every match. And working on going back and watching some of the classics now, too, just to refresh on them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, they re-upload those, it seems like, a lot, the classics and stuff. And oh, yeah, they keep them to, fresh. To watch those. So, um, so okay, fan leagues then. How 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 long before watching the Schmodown did you, you know, decide to get into the fan leagues? Um, was it something that you had looked at for a while and just eventually were like, hey, I'll I'll dive in? Or was there something that triggered you deciding to get into the fan leagues? How did that happen? Well, you know, I kept I kept tabs on it and I knew they were, you know, the community was growing over the past couple of years. And uh, a lot of us who play along at home, you know, obviously want to get in and mix it up and see how we do with other hardcore film fans. So it was about picking my time, uh, you know, after the August uh, New York event, um, met some great fan league people there and they gave me some good advice on how to get started. Um, and so uh, that's when I, I reached out to uh, Caleb Boatman at Multiplex. That was my first point of contact in the fan leagues. And uh, he got me set up in my first match. I think I was originally supposed to play someone else before I ended up playing you. Um, so, yeah, I think that's right. It I was serendipitous. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I, I, I will say Tony has Tony was giving me crap when the news came out about like, if you had just gotten one or two more questions right, it could have been you. And I was like, no, I would not have been ready for that. But yeah, if, <laughs> if you if you all haven't seen that match, you should go back and watch it because it was it was a really good match. So I didn't realize that that actually was your first match in the fan leagues. Though. So, so that, was. One, that was the first one. OK, it um, was um, not that I wasn't, you know, playing along and trying to stay competitive and obsessively studying just for whenever I got my chance to get started. Um, but I knew once I dialed into the fan leagues, how stiff the competition was. So 
my whole thing is I just wanted to go in and keep it competitive. That's been how I've approached every single match. And I, I feel like at this point I've, I have a consistent record of, of, you know, high scoring matches and very, you know, competitive scores for the most part. Yes. So that was going to be my question was kind of just, I know that you're, you're humble about your success in the fan leagues, but when you came in and to Warzone, obviously you, you know, got straight to a number one contenders match without losing a match. Um, did you expect that like it was going to happen that fast and, and that, that quickly for you? Or did you think maybe um, you might have some ups and downs and eventually you'd work your way up to there? I took everything in stride, you know, um, you know, after the first match, I realized you could, I, you know, it was, it was, uh, it got a lot of attention because it was a, a, a fun match to watch. Um, and I knew that there was pressure on me to win my second match. Um, and then, you know, that's, that's when Brandon and I met, you know, Brandon's been playing for a while, uh, definitely a strong competitor in the fan leagues as well. And, um, when I found I was going to be matching up with him, uh, uh, I just knew I wanted to go in, uh, you know, with as much preparation as possible. And when then, when that match went my way, um, I really liked Brandon's demeanor. And at the time I still didn't have a team partner. So I reached out to him after that and felt like we would make good teammates and the rest is history there too. Cause we had a good run as a team for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I thought you guys might go all the way. It might, might've gone all the way, but yeah, you, you definitely had a good run. I should say if you're in the chat and you have any questions, go ahead, throw them out there. Obviously we're going to get to the Schmodel out stuff here in just a second, but if you have any questions, go ahead and, and throw those out there and we'll, we'll get Adam to take those. But, um, Scott, at this point, do you have any questions? I, I mean, we'll move on to the Schmodown stuff here in just a second, but I'll let you get in if you have anything you want to ask. Yeah, I mean, I think most of my questions probably revolve more around just what you're excited about going into the Schmodown, and, and maybe that's the best place to start. Like, obviously, I'm well, maybe Scott wants to start with how you actually even got on, you know, the Schmodown's, you know, the Schmodown proper's radar and how you ended up with Shannon. But to fast forward a little bit before we get to that, like, what are you most excited about going in? I mean, we were kind of talking off air before we went live about, you know, just the, I guess, the whole notion of the, being on the team of corruption. Like, you're excited to be on that particular team, people that you want to work with. I guess, which aspect of being in the Schmodown gets you most excited? Uh, well, there's a lot. Uh, but um, as far as corruption is concerned, um, the reason they were on my, uh, in, in my field of interest for a while, um, Mike and Chance are, you know, the the you know the front men of that group, obviously, and they have demonstrated a lot of uh, 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 amazing, you know, prowess in uh, many divisions. And I knew I'd benefit from uh, learning from their experience, um, you know. So I look forward to the opportunity to work with them uh, specifically. Um, you know, obviously Mike brings a lot of experience from the very beginning of the Schmodown. He's seen it evolve. He's evolved with the game. Uh, Chance obviously was a trailblazer from the fan leagues and is still, uh, in my opinion, you know, one of the best players in terms of accuracy. So I'm really excited to uh, learn from both of them. But if I'm going to be completely honest, I am nerding out over Mark Hoyk. Uh, so Mark Hoyk is, uh, kind of indirectly responsible for getting me obsessed with movie trivia. Um, so beat the geeks, uh, is the show, uh, he's best known for. I used to watch that show, uh, uh, just every, every time it was on, um, in the early two thousands and it only ran for a couple of years, but I loved it. And it just got me really interested in paying attention to movies more closely. And so a couple of years ago, I woke up one day just out of the blue. I was like, what happened to the movie geek? 
<laughs> you know, where'd he go? And I looked him up uh -huh. and found him, I found him on Twitter and I can't take all the credit, but I, I, I do have screenshots commemorating it. And I introduced him and Christian Harloff on Twitter a couple of years ago. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he eventually got drafted and I think his best days ahead are ahead of him as a competitor as well. Mark is someone who, uh, I think people really should respect the legacy he brings to the game. He is definitely OG, um, and his knowledge is so vast. So I'm just really excited for a chance to, to work with him as well. And, and there's just a lot of amazing, uh, new talent in there. Uh, people who, um, I think are going to be great peers like, Laura and, and Marisol. Uh, so I'm yeah. just excited to get started with that faction. And I think Shannon uh, has a lot of buy-in, not just because of Mike, but, um, you know, she's, she nails, um, you know, the, the personality aspect of the game and the strategy part of the game. But I, I can, I can tell you that she's very, very engaged with it. She cares a lot about the Schmodown. So um, I'm, I'm really excited about collaborating with someone who has that enthusiasm. Yeah, you might have just answered Leo's question there about who would you like to team up with? Is there anyone you're looking at uh, besides Mark? Obviously, he is on a team at the moment. Maybe maybe Marisol, since you all both came from the fan leagues. I know she's a strong player as well. Is there anyone else you're kind of looking at? Or Yeah, I mean, I would be honored to work with either Mark or Marisol. Um, but, you know, I'm a, I'm a team player. Um, you know, that's how I approach most things in my life. Uh, so... Uh, corruption is going to be no different. I'm just looking to add some points to the faction once I get my chance to take a shot. And um, when teams do come back, that's kind of unclear right now. We don't know how soon right. uh, teams are going to get going again. And I understand Christian's reticence to, to do teams uh, virtually because in the fan leagues, we make it happen, but it, it does bring challenges. We all know that. Um, uh, you know, just in terms of conferring and speaking in code yeah. and things like that. You have to make up secret codes, right? Yeah. yeah and that's, it's just, it, it's tricky and, you know, we make it work, but I understand why, uh, you know, as far as the Schmodown is concerned, that might be a, a slippery slope, might be tough to deal with. So, um, when teams comes back around, uh, I would be open to anybody, but yeah, I will admit, uh, Mark, Mark's pretty high up there, but I know he's taken right now. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so that's kind of an answer to Garth's question, but he asked about what divisions will you be competing in? I imagine singles and teams for sure. Are you thinking about IG or are you kind of maybe going to do like Paul and think about that for next season or something like that? Yeah. I mean, everything in its own time. Um, you know, I am, a, I, I approach the fan leagues with the idea of eventually wanting to compete in all the divisions. Um, as far as like, you know, uh, they they uh, compare to the Schmodown anyway, so the comparable intergeekdom divisions. The and there's only really in the face off do we have Star Wars, um, unless there's a Full Metal random match or something like that. So um, I I took the Star Wars match and face off to challenge myself, and uh, it was it was a great match. Sadly, it was it was lost uh, on a hard drive, um, but it was it was kind of like an act of oh, yeah. you, know, you know it was just one of those things. Um, but there were lots of witnesses. Take my word for it. It was a great match. Uh, you know, Nico deserves credit. He, he scored a lot of points in that match, too. I did get the win, but it was a very exciting match. Um, and then I have a full metal geek match, which I can't speak to the specifics of, but keep an eye out for that. It's going to land soon. Uh, it was my okay. only geek match that I got to do in full metal, but it was a great match uh, with Richard Schwartz. Definitely check it out. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So you still got some matches coming up there. Yeah, Scott. 
Yeah, I mean, you're just talking about all these all these fan league matches, and obviously that's a big part of how you must have gotten the attention of people like Christian and, and Shannon and other people in the Schmodown. And I do want to go back because I know I was the center there jumping us forward and into actually getting uh, brought into the Schmodown. But how, to your understanding, how were how did you arrive on the radar of someone like Christian or or Shannon or Winston? We know uh, also reached out to you or any, anyone else that you might have been in contact with at the Schmodown. Yeah, so I mean, I want to you know. Uh, first offer up a disclaimer. I'm not uh, looking to offer specific instructions necessarily for aspiring players to hoping to get into the schmodown, but speaking for myself, um, you know, it's, it's just about putting yourself out there at, at the right moments. Um, for me, um, I'm very engaged when the live events come in town and it's just good to mix it up with fans and schmodown people alike. I'm not going out and handing out my business card or anything and saying, Hey, remember me. But at the same time, you know, uh, Ben Bateman mentioned, you know, on backstage the other day, uh, you know, he does remember meeting me. I obviously remember meeting him. And we had a chance just to chat it up at the bars a couple of times at the New York events. And I mean, lots of fans talk to the Schmodown people at, at those yeah. events. It's I'm not unique in that regard. But, um, you know, I just kind of wanted to get advice. I said, look, obviously you hear from people all the time. We want to compete. We feel like we're good enough to compete. Um, how could we realistically get to that point? And, you know, obviously playing in the fan leagues is a no brainer, but knowing the trivia and getting, getting questions right is only a part of it. You know, it's, it's about how you carry yourself, your demeanor. And it's not that I think we all need to filter ourselves and never swear or anything like that, but I think it goes a long way for people to exercise, you know, uh, you know, a little restraint and stuff like that during matches if they can. And uh, I know we all get emotionally involved and stuff like that. Um, but I would just, I would just say, uh, it's, it's, it's good to keep as level head as you can in the game. That's my best advice. No, I, I totally agree. And I definitely think that that gives you in particular a leg up on, on some, some other competitors for sure. So, um, Garth commenting that Nico is so upset. The star Wars match was lost. I'm sure he was, if he scored a lot of points in it. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how exactly did, did you find out that? you're in the Schmodown, you you had been picked up in free agency. Because again, like I said at the beginning, I, I think we were thinking about maybe some other potential players who had been in the fan leagues longer as like, these are maybe the prime candidates for getting picked up. And then all of a sudden, there you were in that stream of Christian. Yeah. So um, it was fun and torturous to sit on that for a weekend. I'll tell you that. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Christian literally reached out to me last Friday before the free agency and said, are you interested in being on the list? And as I said, when I was uh, interviewing with him, I, I just did a double take, went to his Facebook profile, made sure it was the real Christian Harloff, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, ran around the house, uh, showed it to my wife who didn't know what I was talking about at first. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, then I immediately replied and said, yes, please. Um, you know, what do I need to do? And he said, you know, just sit back. Managers will be reaching out to you. Uh, this isn't a guarantee that you're going to get picked, but if you get offers, you know, then we'll take it from there. Uh, Shannon reached out to me within the hour. So I had uh, taken the initiative just to, you know, uh, throw her a, a quick note on social media and just said, hey, my name's Adam, big fan. I know that there's lots of fan league players out there, but just keep an eye on me. I'm playing lots of matches. I'm, on, I'm a little bit of a role here. And if uh, there's ever opportunity to grow the league, um, I'd love to be considered. So she remembered me once Christian put me on the list and she reached out to me right away. 
uh, and we had a great conversation. And uh, as I indicated, I already was eager to work with Mike, Chance, and Mark alone, uh, uh, not to mention the rest of the faction. So um, we we had some good discussions, and you know, my mind was pretty much made up at that point. Uh, and then Winston reached out to me, and we had a great conversation as well. And I was very upfront with him that I had pretty much made up my mind. I wanted to respect his time, and I uh, wanted to be, you know, just respectful of everybody's time, really. And uh, we had a great conversation, and he said, you know, welcome to the league. Um, and whoever you do go with, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sure they're going to uh, be happy to have you. So um, couldn't have been a better interaction with those two managers. And, you know, you kind of wish you could kind of hop around and try all the factions because everyone's so cool. Yeah. But, um, yeah, corruption, uh, I, I'm very, very solid on my choice. Swag, obviously, would have been a blast. A lot of great players. A lot of huge opportunities in any faction, but um, I'm just excited to see where corruption is going to go in the next year. Yeah, you're telling me that Robert Meyer Burnett did not reach out to you and engage you and and try to get you and recruit you. Uh, well, you know the thing is, uh, you we had the option to put ourselves out there, and I just felt it would have been disingenuous for me to start advertising myself to a lot of managers uh, when I'd pretty much made up my mind. Um, you know, I. I'm very principled in that regard. And I just, I really uh, just thought it would have sent the wrong message to be shopping yeah. myself around after I'd pretty much knew in my heart what I wanted to do. Yeah. And it, I'm sure it so, also would have changed your relationship a little bit with Shannon as well. If, I mean, I, I don't know the details of the conversation that you were having, but it sounds like you guys were having a pretty, um, you know, measured conversation. And, and especially since you'd reach out to her originally as well and, and how that probably had fostered that relationship to start. Yeah, you know, it's just you want to navigate this the right way. And um, I threw a few questions at Christian just to make sure I was I was approaching things the right way. And and you know, he encouraged me to put myself out there, which I understood. But again, just didn't want to make people spin their wheels. Uh, I'm yeah. uh, you know just so humbled by the opportunity itself. I didn't want to stir a bunch of stuff up for no reason. So that's interesting advice there, maybe for, for the fan leaguers who are out there thinking, hey, I can do this. Maybe a piece of advice you might offer is just sort of shoot your shot, right? Put put yourself out there a little bit and say, look, I mean, if you if you think you're good, and I mean, there are obviously some really good players out there, uh, don't be afraid maybe to, you know, reach out to one of the managers and say, hey, just keep me in the back of your mind for when uh, this time comes around. And I think a good forum for that is, you know, definitely like Twitter. Like Twitter is a great yeah. way to engage with managers. Um, I, 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 you know, be respectful of their time. Um, but there's nothing wrong with advertising your match on Twitter, on Twitter, if you had a good match and, you know, tagging a manager or two, and maybe they'll see it, who knows? Um, but, uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with putting yourself out there at the right moment. Um, but again, you know, we all want to respect the game as much as po possible too. And we all want to get there to some point. And I just want to, uh, really uh, make sure that I, I do right by this opportunity. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. One thing I do want to ask you about, and Garth here mentioned the Q and a that Christian did tonight on the Patreon. And it, it was, um, it was really good. You should go watch it. And one thing that he said during that um, is that when he's looking at family players, um, he doesn't necessarily look at just who is the best at trivia, right? He also like, 
personality is arguably even more important to him. So what do you think you're going to bring in terms of the character realm, especially with being in corruption, right? Because I think some of us felt a little surprised that you were going to, to corruption yeah. because of what you said earlier about, hey, I try to be, you know, restrained, keep my cool during the matches and stuff like that. Are we going to see that same Adam as, as a member of corruption? Or are you going to try to sort of work that what you built up in the fan leagues into a heel persona a little bit? Well, I don't want to, you know, back myself into a corner or anything in terms of 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 how I'm going to do that. Um, in terms uh, with the fan leagues, uh, I always put the trivia first. Um, I'll, I'll tell you this: um, I'm comfortable on a stage. Um, I've done a lot of public speaking. I've been in theater on and off throughout my life. Um, you know, I'm also very. I enjoy my private time and being kind of insular and, and, you know, that too, but I am, I'm comfortable in a public format where, you know, I do need to be in front of people. Um, I am going to work with Shannon and my faction on the best way to approach uh, how I want to, you know, do things like character and stuff like that. But um, I'm open. I'm open to a lot of options. Uh, I do have, I do have a, a dark sense of humor. Um, I kind of want to implement that the right way. Um, but I'm not, I don't, I, I just don't think it would be natural for me to come out screaming or, or trying to be the next Andrew guy. I think that would be, uh, a clash with my real personality. I want to accentuate the real parts of my personality and, and put that on display. I haven't done that in the fan leagues cause, uh, the fan leagues are so trivia focused, yeah, which definitely. I think is great, but, um, uh, I, I just I didn't want to distract from from my gameplay in the fan leagues, but I am excited to bring that to uh, to the gameplay in the Schmodown for sure. And I'm I'm excited about the possibilities. The dark sense yeah. of humor could go well with uh, Mark Quick as well if that were to if that were to play out. True. And I have a very random sense of humor, like Christian. Uh, I really laugh at random things that don't make sense. Uh, so. Um, if there's a way to uh, kind of jive with that similar perspective, I'd love to make something happen. Yeah, that is definitely the Christian sense of humor. You're, you're very <laughs> right about that. But uh, Brandon asked if you had to pick one match that you had the most fun or was the most challenging. Which one was it in the fan leagues? There's a right answer to this. What the who's who's on the who's on the host no. right now? <laughs> that was that was definitely a, a, a memorable match. Um, but if uh, if I had to pick, um, you know, Brandon and I had some great teams matches. Uh, you know, you could you could roll the tape, and any one of those is is memorable. Um, but for singles, um, definitely my triple threat with Andrew Barr and Cameron Holtzman. That was a that was a moment. Um, you know, and I was discouraged because my first round was so so, but the questions were tough. And then it was it was uh, a matter of I got stuck with my two of my opponent's strengths. And I was still able to win the match and it was just so satisfying. And I was able to answer it by knowing uh, the movie, the howling, which made me very happy because uh, I love that movie. Um, but yeah, no, that match, I'm very proud of it. Uh, Cameron and Andrew are two of the best uh, competitors in the fan leagues. Uh, so it was an honor just to be in that triple threat match. So winning it was very exciting. Um, it could have gone any which way. Um, but 
yeah, that's probably one of my favorites. Scott can attest to how few fan league matches I, I watch, especially relative uh, relative to him. But that was actually one that I did watch. I think Scott, did we even watch that together? I can't remember if we watched that together. I think we may have because I think that that mo- did that one come out during the Atlanta weekend weekend of the Atlanta event. I think yeah, it did think because so. we were yeah. we were together at that point. But yeah, I may or may not be playing Andrew Barr coming up, so I may or may not have been watching that match just the other day. So <laughs> um, yeah, it was definitely a good one. And I will also say. Uh, that Adam and I uh, played in a really good match right here on this channel. Um, obviously, right. the the FPTL matches are kind of uh, they they're just for fun. They don't like count towards any titles or anything. But we were on a team against Caleb Boatman and Cameron Redshaw, and it came down to the end. I still think if Tony's there, he can tell us. But I think it's still like the top two scores that have been put up in, oh, in yeah. FPTL. So um, that that was a really fun uh, and competitive match as well too. That. You know, again, didn't count for anything, but was was a lot of fun. But um, I know we've taken up a bunch of your time, but I did have at least one or two more questions I did want to get. Sure. And one, I think, kind of following up on Brandon's question here about what the one, what a match in, in the past you found the most challenging or the most fun. But going looking forward and into the Schmodown, what would be your dream debut singles match if you had to pick one right now to come out when I don't know whether it's online or whether it's in the studio if, if thing you know if and when things return to normal, who who would you want to play in that debut match? You know, I'd like to, you know, I'm a rookie, so I, you know, I got to earn my shot at the big dogs uh, eventually. Um, uh, so I want, I would, obviously I'm prepared to play another rookie. Um, you know, I, I, ideally I, I, it'd be nice as a rookie to play a, a player who has proven that they can, can get wins, but may have kind of a middling record. Um, you know, I'd be open to playing a player like that. Um, who, you know, would be a challenge, uh, but, you know, um, isn't someone you necessarily have to work your way up to, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, it, I'm hesitant to name names. Uh, cause I, again, I don't want to get people stirred up <laughs> yeah. and, uh, I don't know what Christian has planned for all the new recruits. Um, and, and, you know, James and Marisol got drafted before I did, uh, and I'm still looking for, and Jen. And I'm still looking forward to seeing all of their matches uh, coming up. So, um, honestly, I I I hope it's virtual because I want to play sooner rather than later. Um, uh, thankfully, going to LA for me is not an issue, uh, even though I'm located on the East Coast. Uh, I got a straight shot right to LA. Uh, got friends and places to stay out there. So, definitely excited to go out there in person when uh, travel restrictions ease up too. Yeah. But yeah. Singles, uh, I am ready to rock. And uh, Star Wars and IG, when the next tournaments come around, I'll definitely be ready for those. Um, I'm, you know, I would have been willing to cram and and get thrown in, thrown to the Lions if they asked me to. But this thing was pretty much settled before free agency, so yeah. I didn't really have a chance to get into that tournament. Yeah, and Christian did mention today that they're looking at doing a 32-person singles tournament that would be all virtually, I believe. So I think that you'll you'll probably be in that, or at the very least, they'll you'll get a qualifying match. Uh, maybe again, knowing knowing the showdown, they'll probably put like all the fan leaguers in a, a four-way match or something with one of them making it to the tournament. But that's another matter. Uh, Peggy did have a question here about. Which competitor not in your faction do you think would be the best partner for you in teams? Well, that's a good question. Um, honestly, uh, just because uh, he, I mean, if the shirt doesn't give it away, uh, <laughs> uh, Bibiani is someone um, I look up to as a player 
Um, he's someone I respect as a film critic. I listen to his podcasts uh, pretty regularly. Um, he's taken. He's more than taken. And uh, I'm a long ways off from earning uh, a chance to work with him. But um, in, in, a, in a fantasy world, I would love to be on a team with Bibiani. That guy is he's a cool dude. Hey, all you have to do is lose your first match and then do okay at the free for all, and you'll be Bibiani's partner. So, <laughs> well, Brendan's proven he's a great player. Yeah, for sure. I know. I, I, <laughs> I'm being facetious. No. His but first yeah, match was against yeah. Paul Oyama. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it was a good match. But uh, yeah, no, Bibs, uh, that would be a fantasy scenario. Um, uh, but honestly, uh, I'd I look forward to getting to know Chance and Paul uh, and Robert better. Uh, they all preceded my involvement in the fan leagues. I've met Paul. Uh, and we've had a couple conversations, um, but I look forward to getting into them too. I think working with any of them would be cool as well. Definitely. Uh, I have one final question, but Scott, do you have anything else you want to ask? I had a question earlier that it would have to rewind a little bit, but when you were talking about, you know, kind of networking within the league and, and, and getting to know other people, because we did get a little bit of information about what the draft will look like for next year with managers getting to, kind of tap four players to stay on their teams and then everyone else kind of getting thrown into the pool uh, and then redrafted that way. I was just wondering what your, how that knowledge, you might just be learning about this for the first time. I don't actually know how widely that was spread, but with that knowledge, uh, I think it's like really great that you have this chance to not only make an impression on, on your own faction, but uh, realistically to expect, you know, maybe not to be one of those four people going into next year that that shannon might tap i mean maybe 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 it is maybe maybe you do end up getting pulled into the faction for next year but does that change at all or affect your thinking at all about how how you're you know moving forward with the you know half to two-thirds of a season that we have left in in 2020 yeah i mean um it's just about when i get my opportunity so um you know i uh I like to think of myself as like the the stoic version of Clubber Lang watching from the stands at the beginning of Rocky Three. You know, you're like studying and, you know, kind of obsessing over the champions and all that stuff. Um, so I am ready to take my shot when it's given. Uh, I'll leave it at that. Um, but I, I expect to uh, be very competitive in this league. Um, you know, I know what I know and I respect the game and I'm not out to call anyone out or say that I'm you know, the next, the second coming of anything, I'm just excited to compete. And I want to be a bridge between the fan league community and the Schmodown community even more, because I think the fan league is like gladiator training grounds. You know, there's a lot of blood in the sand in the fan leagues and we do it because we love it. And uh, I'm humbled by the opportunity because there's a lot, obviously a lot of talent in the fan leagues. There's plenty of players they could draft who could get be lights out with questions. That's not an issue. It's just a matter of, you know, when's the timing right to bring this person on and what's the realistic opportunity of them getting out to California and being able to yeah. compete. You know, yeah. it's it's a tough, it's a tall order. And now how they can benefit the faction as well, right? I mean, we've already mm -hmm. talked about that. No reason to revisit that, but that's such a huge part of the game now, right? If you if you're not a you know first round draft pick, it's also about what you can bring uh, to the faction as a whole and, and and boost the team in that way. And I think that's clear that you have a lot, a lot to add to any faction, but uh, even more so to corruption. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I mean, um, I'm not looking to come out swinging in all four divisions right away, but I'd love to earn my shot at debuting in all four over time. Uh, but I do anticipate singles to be my debut. That would just make sense. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, my last question for you before, and then we'll let you go is, um, when are we going to get a David Lynch and or uh, Jim Jarmusch slice on the wheel? And uh, yeah. are you going to work to make that happen? 
Well, uh, you know, I know Bibiani and Video Drew are in favor of a David Lynch slice. At least I think they are. Uh, and and Whitney Seibold for sure. Um, so when I get a chance to bend their ear, I'm going to try and get strength in numbers and campaign for it. I uh, got to start with one and Lynch would be my priority because I think I feel like, uh, you know, that has a realistic shot. Um, you yeah, know, we've definitely. got we've got a lot of auteur directors on there. We got Kubrick. We got Nolan. Um, we got Hitchcock. On there. Yeah, PTA. Uh, PTA is getting so much attention this season too, and Cohen mm -hmm. Brothers too. Like people are dying for those slices. Um, I don't think as many people would be thrilled about the David Lynch slice, but I certainly would be over the moon. So we'll see. All right. Well, Adam, we'll let you go, and we'll leave you with this nice message here from from Nick, who says, "So happy <laughs> for you. Can't wait to see you do some damage." I think he uh, he echoes all of our thoughts. Um, thank you so much for, for being with us and, uh, we, uh, we wish you the best of luck, uh, with, with your future and we can't wait to, uh, see your first match. So thanks again and, and best of luck to you. Thanks guys. You have a good yeah. evening. Take care, Adam. You too. Later. See ya. All right. So there you have it. Uh, the newest member of corruption, Adam Collins, uh, joining us. Interesting uh, conversation there, a lot about, um, you know, the sort of journey from the fan leagues to the Schmodown. I think a lot of people, fan league players, obviously are interested in just sort of how, um, you know, you can you can make that transition. And so I think Adam had some interesting advice for us there about, um, you know, maybe just put yourself out there a little bit. And, yeah. and that's uh, that's the thing to do. Yeah, putting yourself out there and also channeling your passion in a way that doesn't come off as you know, being hot headed or things like that. I think that was one of the things that I took away that was a lot of, I think maybe it's something I hadn't necessarily noticed in a lot of other um, interviews that I've listened to of people coming out, coming through the fan leagues, even though I think it's true for everyone that you've seen go to the Schmodown is that generally speaking, they are, they have personalities. Of course they have characters and they're able to work with that and develop that, but uh, they're not necessarily people who lose their cool um, or particularly hot headed, which sometimes uh, is understandable that it yeah. happens. And I and have seen it happen myself uh, when I've been watching family matches. And I think that's an interesting piece of advice uh, to keep in mind. Something that's not as easy to control because sometimes it's just you are who you are. You have that passion. It's sometimes hard to to restrain that and channel that in the way. But I think that's a, a good piece of advice if it's something to work on. And also something that I think that you can see, you know, whether it's Chance, Paul, even Smets, Parker people like that you can you can see that as a trait in them as well as people who stay focused and stay concentrated uh, even while having that passion and that energy for the game definitely um yeah so adam obviously was not the only free agent who was picked up um yeah. this week we had a, a lot of moves being made and i do want to talk about some of the other moves that were made and scott obviously yeah we can pick uh, ourselves in start, the back a little bit let's start with the big ones um chris jericho kevin smith and doug benson are all in the schmodown. Um, yeah. Pretty crazy. I don't think we saw, I mean, Kevin Smith and Chris Jericho are kind of like the top two people who Christian has really been trying to get for a long time. You'll see him tweet at them occasionally, um, you know, uh, uh, tweeting the matches, stuff like that. Um, and, you know, I don't know how much we thought it would ever happen, uh, you know, wh whether they would actually be in the showdown, but we got the Jericho news first. He signed with the Rockstars and then Kevin Smith a little bit later with the quirky Mercs. Christian was talking about this earlier and saying that, you know, it kind of came about, at least Kevin Smith did because uh, of Koi and Koi knew him from doing the comic book shopping show. And so yep. it kind of followed from there. Uh, and then Doug was someone we talked about last time, uh, you know, is a friend of Sam Levine. And I think that's how, um, you know, he, he got introduced. And obviously he is 
going to be joining the usual suspects. What do you think about these three big signings? Do you honestly expect that we're going to see them play a lot of matches, or do you think this is more about growing the league than it is about, um, you know, getting them in there to be in the title picture or anything like that? Yeah, look, it's it can be more than one thing. Is what I'll say that much. I think that I, I do think that these people are all genuinely interested in playing in the schmodown. I think to different extents and in different ways. I think Doug Benson is someone who we've talked about is probably someone who's not going to go out there and study for a hundred hours going into a match uh, to be prepared and to contend for a title. But if you put them up against the right player, you can create an atmosphere for a match that is exactly the kind of diversity of matches that I think we were even talking about last week on the podcast and give you a, a, a something different, a different flavor and to really kind of uh, mix things up a little bit in terms of tone for some of these matches that, Often, t- I mean, for to be frank, oftentimes they're leaning more towards the serious end at this point, just because the league is so competitive in every match, because every match matters for points. And so I think looking at someone like a Doug Benson, a Chris Jericho, a Kevin Smith, those I think those are all people who more than competing for a title, although maybe they could get to a point, maybe, and people have talked maybe a little bit more about Chris Jericho being very serious about movie trivia and being quite good. Uh, I think more so than competing for a title, these people are meant to, exactly to your point, kind of grow the the brand of the league to spread it further to have it reach more people and then also have these people not just to spread the brand but to also be competitive and put on a show both in terms of character and in terms of performance i think that we'll eventually see that all three of these people know a lot about movie trivia now whether all these three people one could are are smart or are necessarily i guess well versed enough in movie trivia to compete with the top tier or top echelon of the league that's a different level of movie trivia i mean we've seen that over the last couple of seasons yeah. how strong that is but also um can be competitive enough and, and have enough of a personality to still put on that show uh, in the character format i think that they provide both things uh and i think the additional caveat that you had is that probably none of these three people uh are available enough to even consistently go on a run in the schmodon right i mean I think we might have been lucky that Ethan Irwin was even free enough to go on his run back in 2017. I uh, sorry, 2018. And I think that you know last year we kind of saw evidence of that he was a little busy. And this year we might even be seeing the evidence of that as well. I mean, we'll, we'll see where that goes. But I think these people are all three people who are very busy. I mean, Doug Benson has his show, has his podcast. I mean, less so these days touring around the country. But he tours around the country and goes and does comedy. Uh, stand-up comedy and does does his bits and and does this podcast uh chris jericho obviously very busy all the time and same for kevin smith who's still making movies through all this so uh i think that it's a a lot of it it's both things i think it's about growing the brand of the league and it's about finding people who can grow that brand while being competitive not for a title belt uh not, not in title contention but to but to still be competitive in the matches that they do play yeah, and I mean, I think a big place where this will, you'll see this play out is live events, right? Because I think Christian would love to have Smith versus Jericho, which he's yeah. kind of basically said is going to be a match um, yeah. at a live event. That would be awesome. I, I guess my, my thought would be, I wonder if the, I guess it will be just a regular singles match. Now, I know that Kevin Smith, at, at least Kevin Smith would probably be pretty solid intergeekdom player. I mean, he is a, a huge, like, geek. He has a lot of comic book references and stuff like that in his movies. And I don't know about Chris Jericho on that side. Um, but Doesn't if they Chris do Jericho play have a movie podcast? I think that's right. But again, I don't know about as far as um, you know, geek knowledge or whatever. Yeah. So I would I would expect that this is going to be a singles match. And maybe, I mean, maybe that's 
that's the first live event back, right? I mean, that would be that'd be pretty hype if uh, if Christian could book that because I know a lot of people are interested in this. A lot of people, you know, came from the wrestling side of things to the to to the Schmodown. I mean, we're not wrestling fans, but you know, we I know the name Chris Jericho um, even. But, you know, before he got into the Schmodown and everything. Uh, and so I think this is the type of thing which is going to, you know, could pull could pull a lot of fans. It could pull a lot of new fans who, you know, aren't necessarily going to be like, let's go see Dan Merle and Ben Bateman play because we don't know who these people are. But, yeah. uh, you know, Chris Jericho, Kevin Smith, Doug Benson. Hey, I mean, that's that's a different story. Yeah, particularly Chris Jericho and, and Kevin Smith. I, I totally agree. I think that. It'll be unfortunate if if Chris Jericho's match is not in Booker T's arena in Houston <laughs> as the first live event back. It seems it seems unlikely, but uh, at some point he's gotta he's gotta be down there in uh, in Houston or somewhere else in a wrestling ring. It's where it's where he belongs in terms of doing movie trivia. It's the true crossover. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Um, okay, Scott, a, a couple other you know big free agent pickups. Obviously, Sabrina Ramirez is somebody that was talked about. We we figured that she would get picked up. There were a lot of managers courting her, um, and in the end, she decided. Um, you know, maybe I think maybe some people thought with her being a female that she would gravitate towards one of the female managers, Kate or Roxy or Shannon, even. But she went with uh, the opposite of that, which is uh, she gravitated toward belts. You know. That's what she gravitated um, towards. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think fr- from her explanation of it, there was more to it than just, you know, I'm going to join who's on top. Um, yeah. But I imagine that didn't hurt things. Um, but what do you think about her signing with the Finstock Exchange? Do you think maybe will she team up with the Barbarian? That's something that people have been speculating about. Um, yeah. You know, we don't know too much about how her knowledge is. But do you think that this is, you know, an, an ace in the hole maybe for, for the Finstock Exchange, just further solidifying their their lineup down, further down? Yeah, if you look at their roster, it's just crazy how they've been able to accumulate the people that they have, even beyond the, of course, they were incredibly fortunate to have four people uh, tapped for them before the draft even started. But even then, to get Demolanta in the fifth round, and then in the sixth round, the sixth round, taking Barbarian, who... I'm more and more convinced every time I watch him in anything that Scott, he might be triple belted by the end of the year. Who even knows? Um, yeah. <laughs> guy's absolutely insane. And, you know, picking that up in the sixth round, then then getting Emily Rose Jacobson, Gray Drake, Cody Hall's on their faction. Although I, I mean, maybe a different kind of conversation there in terms of personality versus uh, competitiveness and movie trivia, but their, their faction is just so deep. And so I think for, you know, if I were to look at this choice by Sabrina, cause it, it seemed clear to me that she had at least three, four five options at minimum. Uh, to, to join factions, if not one from every single faction. And to choose the Finstock Exchange, I think, is, is a really a long-term play for her as someone who's you know very new to the... It, I, I, I believe relatively new to the community and new to the Schmodown in the sense of being ready. Yes, she has some experience coming through SEN and becoming popular through SEN, but maybe a little bit less experienced. She obviously hasn't played in the fan leagues. At least that's my understanding. Uh, she hasn't uh, really kind of, uh, I guess, sharpened her her tools any, anywhere when it comes to the schmodown. And so I think this feels like a long-term choice for her to go to a faction with the most experience, arguably yeah. with the most knowledge top to bottom, to learn. And to take this season, season seven, 2020, to learn about the schmodown, to learn how to study better for movie trivia. I mean, you have some people who have just really are on the front line of studying with someone like Ben Bateman, Barbarian, even Dan Merle and John Roca innovating their own ways to study for things and really getting a full diversity of, of perspectives on how to study Mark Riley as well. And I think that that what she's going to do and what she what the thought process I would imagine from her 
is, all right, I'm going to take the season. I'm going to get as good as I can, learn the most that I can from these people. And then next year, season eight, 2021, that's when I make my move. Un- unfathomable that she would be kept on the Finstock Exchange at the yeah. end of the year with the four people. And so really take that, take that I spent two-thirds of a season in the Finstock Exchange learning from some of the best players in the league and take that into the draft and be a really attractive resource there. That's how I see it. Will she get mat- a match or two this year? I'm sure she will. I don't know if she's strong enough or proven enough to get into any of the tournaments, if I'm being really honest. But I expect her to get a couple matches here and there. And uh, I think that it's going to be less about the match experience and more about the faction experience that she gets this year. And if she can pick up a win or two, awesome. Yeah, I think I completely I completely agree with you that uh, this this seems like a long term play, and that she will obviously get a, no- a lot of knowledge from working with a lot of the all time greats, and uh, that will help her with you know the new draft format maybe next year because she probably won't be kept by the Finstock Exchange as as you noted there. It'd be kind of crazy if she was, but um, we'll get to that in just a second. Um, you know, we're not going to go through every single free agent, but Scott, is there is there one or two other people that you would highlight? Maybe I I'll, I will say that one person that I was happy to see uh, it was Frank Moran, um, who uh, signed, I believe, with Swag, um, and he uh, is someone who played one match with Box Office Breakdown and was actually quite quite good in the match. His partner um, was awful. Uh, and, and really brought the team down in that match. But then, you know, really had an impressive showing in the free-for-all um, during a couple seasons ago. Um, free-for-all two, I guess it was. Um, he went six or seven rounds. You know, he outlasted some some tough players in there. Um, and, and so I was glad to see that he is getting back into things and that he is joining. I mean, I'll show my personal bias here. He's joining my favorite faction of swag. So um, that's that's someone that I, I will look forward to seeing. What Didn't he realize he's a Kandri stan. He has a <laughs> lot of untapped potential. Not necessarily Shandru. You know, no, Bakugo is my favorite. Um, yeah. But I know yeah, I know who I, you're rooting I, for in swag. Don't worry. I like what Swag's doing over there. I don't know if McCougal will ever play again, but um, but Scott, uh, who who would you highlight? I think maybe you're gonna uh, highlight a certain MCU fan, perhaps that uh, is on your radar. Yeah, no, I will. I will highlight him, but I will say, to kind of segue off something that you were talking about in terms of being on a team where one person really, really uh, acted as kind of a boat anchor and really brought the team down. Sean Gerber was on a team in Anarchy where another player who got picked up by someone else in the league. Uh, really, really weighed the team down. That's Scott Mance. He did get picked oh, up. Oh, and by yeah, Leo just that. mentioned him. There we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on, right on time, Leo. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. but I do want to call out. But I do want to call out Sean Gerber. I was really happy to see him get picked up because I was shocked when he didn't get drafted. Yeah, and I mean, you, you know, you say that, and that was true about the way that that match went down. Mance did not have a good match, but at the same time, I don't know that I would go as far to say as he is the same type of boat anchor as no. as Frank's partner was. Because I mean, look, Mance no. has played in a team's title match before. He he has he has the knowledge there. I think that that they were not a good pairing, and we saw that, that play out in the in the match for sure. Yeah, which is what I was going to say. I love Scott Mance. I absolutely love seeing him on on anything that I managed to watch him on. You know, particularly the last couple of years on For Your Consideration, uh, the, that podcast, I've really enjoyed watching him. And it's going to be good to see him back. And I think that you're absolutely right. And that's what I was going to follow up and say is that I think Scott Mance over time has proven himself as an incredibly vast uh, house of knowledge for movie trivia. A la your Bibiani, your McWeenie, et cetera, you know, fill in the blank there with people who just have a ton of knowledge. And I think that if you find the right faction, if you find the right partner for teams, you're able to channel that knowledge and do something really powerful with it. 
I don't know if Robert Meyer Burnett is that manager for, for him to channel that, especially with the jettisoning of other uh, talent within within that. But, I mean, you have you have Alonzo, you have Whitney, but like like maybe Ken, like maybe Brandon. Who who in that faction is going to channel Scott Mance and focus his energy into playing a better player of the game? I'm I'm just not sure. Here, here's what I'll say. I mean, Mance did say when he when he chose to go with the Drugs that like. He has another huge Star Trek fan right there in, in Burnett as yeah. his manager. And obviously, when he played in teams, when he did really well, he was on Team Trek with Jason mm-hmm. Inman, who is another huge Star Trek fan. So yeah. maybe sort of that common ground. Uh, I think I think Whitney Seibold might also be a Star Trek person, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. But maybe having sort of that common ground, maybe some like-minded individuals within his faction, whether they're on team with him or not, uh, will maybe help him to, to thrive a little bit more. Look, it's possible. But I'll say this much: Jason Emin is a pretty good player of the game in the Schmodown. I don't think he would have yeah. he has he wouldn't have done as well as he did, you know, while he was competing if he wasn't. And I I just don't know if Alonzo, Whitney, or anyone else in that faction is refined enough in the game. And Robert Meyer Burnett, although maybe a kindred spirit, probably not a refined enough kind of manager, in my opinion. This is just like this is just my opinion. Hopefully, I'm proven wrong. I, I hope Scott Mance does incredibly well, but uh, I don't see him necessarily going the full distance in terms of improving himself from where we saw him last to where we're going to see him now uh, until he gets himself a, a different type of manager. And then that's not, that really isn't throwing any shade at Robert Meyer Burnett. It's just, he openly came out on backstage like this this past week, talking about how his style of management is not to coach players. His style of management is just to, just to set all the pieces up and let them fall where they will. And that is one style of management. I'm not throwing shade at that. It's just, I don't know if that's what Scott Mance needs, really, uh, from my perspective, from what I've the little I've seen of him, and you know, very little we've seen of him over the past couple of years. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that that's a fair point uh, to raise. Uh, other, any other highlights? Leo mentioned there, uh, Robert and Vanessa from Late to the Party, obviously splitting up. I think, yeah. I think that's you know a a good decision maybe just because you know we're so we're so used to seeing them together right they've they've yeah. played a few matches obviously they had the huge win over critically acclaimed which kind of is still their legacy they haven't necessarily been quite as successful in their recent matches so maybe it makes sense to sort of go their own ways and um, see what they can do in other factions so yeah. that's one uh, you know a couple of people there yeah Anyone I think that's a natural. Highlight? That's a natural evolution, I think. You see that, and Christian's done that in the past with teams who have maybe hit a bit of a rut, even though on paper they're like, well, it makes a lot of sense to have these people together, but if they're just not going anywhere, then give them a chance to break up and, and find their yeah. own footing and be able to evolve their their game, their you know persona even in the Schmodown. And I think that's this will be a good chance. Realistically, like some of these players are getting picked up in free agency. Are we really going to see them play this year? Even the 32-person singles tournament, that's yeah, probably yes. only four players per faction and that's not even half the faction so i think that we may or may not see some of these people uh i think it'll really it'll be really faction dependent i think but um it would be interesting to see them i'll just say that much yeah, yeah my no, only other one i would say is that going back to sean gerber i i, I am really yeah. excited about sean gerber uh getting you know getting brought into into the league i'm actually blanking right now on on where he fell is he? He's he went swag, to swag right? as well, right? Okay, yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. Um, yeah, going going to swag makes perfect sense. If I, I think even, I think I even might have said this to you when we were talking about it on Monday. Is that like, if if Sean Gerber's going anywhere, he's going to swag. He's got the relationship with Winston. I mean, maybe he could have gone to the quirky Mercs with with uh, with with um, Coy Jandrew, but 
I, yeah, I really think swag is a perfect match for him. And I think he's someone who is, I don't know. I just get this feeling like, I feel like he's someone who is hungry and is willing to, to study and prep for these things. I mean, we've seen what he's able to do. I mean, I don't know how much he studied for the MCU match last year, but we've seen what he's able to do in certain divisions, even maybe without that much preparation. And I think that he's shown over time that he can do that in intergeekdom and to an extent outside of intergeekdom as well with his team's play. And uh, I don't know if we ever saw a singles match proper from him, but I think that he's someone, if he put the effort in and he put the time in, he's someone who could become maybe not a tier one player, but a tier two player who's being competitive and, and could ultimately be deciding when you get down to the, you know, the business end of the season with two points here or two points there uh, could be winning you the league. Yeah, we haven't seen a singles match from him, but I'll go back to that free for all, right? The uh, the same one that Frank Moran yep. did well. He, I think Gerber was the first person out, uh, first person. He had number one. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. That, yeah, I don't know if he had number one or if he was on the he was on the first round. He was the on the first table for yeah. sure. But he uh, and he lasted several rounds. So yeah, um, yeah he he does have uh, a knowledge base there. Maybe maybe for teams would be a good place for him to to use that. But yeah, totally I, I, I he's another person kind of like Sabrina, I guess. That I'm not. I was not surprised to see him pop up there. I think he was definitely one of the top options that was out there on the, the free agent list. If you you know take the family players out of it, obviously. But yeah. um, the only other one would be Perry. Yeah. Great to see her back. I don't know how, how, you know, well she will perform. Um, obviously she has her strengths, right? She's done decently in some of the exhibition matches, um, yeah. new releases in Jurassic Park in particular, but she's a great personality to have back in there. And so I'm, I'm happy to see Perry come back. Yeah. And honestly, it just could be a matter of the situation getting to be on the same faction as Koi, who obviously she had a pretty strong working relationship with when Koi was was doing shows at Collider and uh, Haley, I think probably first and foremost Haley being able if they're on a team, I don't know what <laughs> I don't know what they're thinking yeah. if they don't put those people if those two together and the actual think, scream queens. <laughs> yeah, I was seeing. Uh, I I can't remember what it was. There was a team suggestion name. Uh, the oh the witching power was one. It was like a pun nice, name that I heard I like that. from someone in the comment section on one of the videos. I thought that was a a clever one. But no, I I love Perry movie talk. Uh, I mean, I loved it when when Mark was the host of Movie Talk, and then when it transitioned over to Perry, when when Mark stepped back to focus on a stand-up, I thought I was going to be bummed about not having Ellis around as much anymore, but I loved Perry just as much, and so I was obviously really sad earlier this year to see that show go, because that was like a, a daily part of my life uh, <laughs> that just kind of got ripped away. Uh, Same way that Collider Live was for me, yeah. Exactly, yeah, and so to have to see her come back it surprises me i'll be honest how many times she's talked about how she's not interested uh in competing just because she knows how competitive a person she is and how much it would take out of her to compete at the level she'll want to compete at uh so i'm a little bit surprised i think that koi might be lucky in having the jurassic park and new releases exhibition matches of late probably really wetting the appetite of perry and, yeah. and kind of convincing her to come back but i think now again is a better time uh, than ever before for Perry to rejoin, just because you have that support network of the faction. She has Haley probably as her teammate. Uh, if there if there ever was a time where it would make sense for her to try the league again and 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 see if it would work better for her now than it maybe it did two or three years ago, now is the right time. And I hope we see good things. Yeah, I I certainly do as well. Um, okay, Scott. So we I do want to talk about the uh, the match that went up this week here in just a second. But yeah, um, why not? Let's. There, there was a match this week, uh, but uh, do you have any final thoughts you want to say sort of about the draft format for next year? I mean, I think in general, we're both 
fans of this idea of yep. keepers. I think we even talked about it last week, maybe in terms of like just brainstorming what could they do for a draft next year, thinking keepers might be an option. And that's that's what they've decided to do. I think, you know, it it makes a lot of sense in allowing this season to matter, but at the same time, allowing the managers to get out there and do their thing again, having, you know, a fruitful yep. off season and, you know, a draft that it will actually, you know, get people excited again next year. I think that this is a no brainer move, honestly. Yeah. I, I, I think we did talk about it last week and I was thinking about it as well. And because you can't really repeat the structure of last year. I don't, I don't think that that makes much sense. It certainly feels like it, it devalues almost anything you do in terms of trade or adding and dropping if you're essentially just going to throw all the chips back into the middle at the end of the year, you keep the people who are, who have belts, which is only going to be four at most five people. Uh, right now there's only four, but there could be five. And then you basically say, all right, draft away. And I mean, who knows what they would do with the, with the teams uh, component of as well, since they did kind of protect the top five teams last year. So this seems like the right compromise, if that's what you want to call it, right? The right decision to say, all right, everyone has their own factions now keep your four players which that feels like the right number i might have gone with three instead of four but i think four makes more sense because it's even it allows you to keep two teams if that's the direction you want to go it allows you to keep uh two single or a team and a star wars and an inner geek team if that's the way you want to go it gives you a lot of flexibility and strategizing as a manager i think um while also leaving enough talent out there in the draft pool to keep things slightly less interesting to be honest than the draft last year but interesting enough to make you want to watch the draft and, and see what happens. I, you know, this is something that, you know, the showdown's going to be around for a long time, at least hopefully. Right. And we'll have a feel for it next year. If four, if keeping four players and protecting four players was the right move, if it wasn't, maybe we'll see an adjustment one way or the other next year. That's the beauty of this. Like it feels like the right decision right now. We'll do it. We'll see how it goes and we'll adjust if we need to, but I think it's the right idea for the draft. Uh, and I think that really this is uh it feels right. I don't know what else to say other than that. Yeah, I think I think that's that's all there is to it, and uh, I definitely will keep things fresh for next year, um, which obviously we're fans of. Um, okay, yeah. Scott, the match. Um, so this was the final in studio match of you know that was in the tank. Um, Real rejects against the pride, two teams who got wins earlier this season, um, playing for a chance to move even higher right in that ladder of who is going to, you know, get the next team's title shot potentially after, you know, we have the the match between corruption and and the founding fathers. Um yep. the, the the title match. Um and you know this was was a little bit of a rough match. I, I think like you know, you, you have sort of two sides of this ladder. You have this match and you have Deep 13 who's going to be playing final exam. And I think those are like, yeah. those are both really, really good teams right there. Both teams that you could see making it to this title match. Yeah. This one was a little, a little more scattershot. Round one was especially rough for, for Greg Alba and R Rachel Silvestrini. Um, I think like, I know that they're not like tier one or whatever, but they should be scoring at least five points in round one. I think if, if you know the, the, they want their teams to to realistically have a chance of, of moving up this ladder, and they both ended up uh, with four points. Ben Goddard and John Humphrey were were carrying the the teams a little bit in round one, um, and the the Pride did have an 11-10 lead after round one. But again, maybe not not as high scoring as you would expect, especially from the Pride, right? Who had who did have a good showing in their first match. They've been talking a big game uh, following that match. Um, yeah. 
And, and, you know, so, so with Ben Goddard, obviously, you know, he, he talks a lot. He's going to be in, entering the inner geekdom and, and stuff like that. Uh, you would expect that he would want to come out and really put on a, a good showing. Um, and he, he did, I, I suppose, for the most part. But the team just didn't seem to be as cohesive as they were in their first match. Yeah, I, it's one of those things where you always look back on a match. And I think Ben Goddard got maybe a perfect round, I think it was, in that first match in their debut team's match. Yeah. And they hit Kevin Smith, uh, or they either hit Kevin Smith or... Uh, I think the I mean, other team hit Kevin that's Smith, right. and they got a bunch of steals, yeah. It was the Butcher Boys, yeah. Yeah, right. So they, I got, so they got Kevin Smith, but then but then I, I'm pretty sure the Pride also hit a strength. I'm just forgetting uh, which, which one it was. But yeah, I think Ben is obviously a very strong competitor. I think people might have been a little bit skeptical after after I think that was even the first match of the season between you know I guess in studio match of the season against RB3 and where he had a very strong performance there he had a very strong performance in the first team's match and he had another really strong performance here so it seems like we're getting real hard evidence that he is going to be a strong competitor whether he makes it to a singles title match or not that's neither here nor there he's a strong competitor I think we're starting to really see that but yeah Rachel Silvestrini she didn't have a very strong performance in the first round, I believe, in the first team's match that they had. She really did pull her weight, obviously, in round two and even in round three in that match. She did a very good job there against the Butcher Boys. But I think, again, we're seeing maybe a little bit of a, a weakness exposure uh, when it comes to this team in Rachel with the four points in round one. Uh, I mean, 80s, not their best strength um, in round and, two. Yeah. That's why it was chosen for opponent's choice for them. I think that that was a smart move by the real Absolutely. rejects because yeah. they're younger, you know, younger people. And I mean, ultimately, so all like, that's so all that's to say is that I think that the strong performance we saw from the pride. And I think we even talked about this when we originally talked about the match is that they had a lot of things go their way. Ben Ben is proving that it doesn't really matter how many things go his way or not his way. He's a really strong competitor. But the how good of a performance we saw from them. You know, scoring in the, I think, getting a TKO in the mid to high twenties. So they had a lot of a lot of points accumulated over those first couple of rounds. I think what we're seeing is that that might have been a result of luck, which matters, which absolutely matters in the showdown. But when you're going up against the top tier teams, you need a little bit, you need luck and a little bit more uh, to beat them. So I think that what we're seeing here is that I'm not sure that the pride is necessarily set up to be a tier one competitive team. And we'll see when they, whenever they do play against either the winner of uh, Final Exam or Deep 13. I think those are both really competitive teams that can, I would expect over time consistently to score in the 30s. Um, I, I think that they're going to need a little bit more in that match to beat them. And, and that's not a super deep or insightful thing to say. But um, yeah, I, I think that this was definitely the weaker of the two teams of the four. And the fact that they played each other maybe gave each of them a, a, a chance to get into that next that next round of the gauntlet. Um, but I fear for them against against either final exam or deep 13. Yeah, because because I mean, let's be honest here. The if they had been playing final exam or deep 13 in this match and let's say we had the same scores in round one, I think they probably would. The other team would have put them away in round two, because when the real rejects got to their spin, right, they really did have a chance to like to to finish this match to off because. Them, yeah. Only five points. The the Pride had only scored five points. The Real Rejects had gotten a couple of steals. And so this was in almost knockout territory, right, if the, if the Real Rejects could have gotten a strong round. And yeah. they got a horror, something they felt pretty good about. 
and the questions just didn't go their way, right? They got eight points, which was enough to get, give them a lead going into to yeah. round three, but a couple of steals from the Pride. And, you know, with the Pride being the – I mean, I guess the Real Rejects were technically the favorites, but I think in the in the mind of the fans, the Pride were, were the team you would expect to win this match. And I think it just kind of felt like one of those situations where even though they had the lead going into round three – uh, you're like, well, their fortune is going to run out eventually. And I think when you get into these tougher questions here at round three, I think I still still fancy the the pride, especially, you know, if, if it ends up with the real rejects having to hit a five pointer, which obviously it did. And they weren't able to do that. They're a fun team to watch, but I just don't think they're quite there yet. And, and this match was was evidence of that, because even though they had a decent score in the match at the end of the day, um, they they had their chance to you know sort of be clinical and and put put the pride away and and pull off a, a slight upset there and they just they didn't get it done. Yeah, I I guess so. I guess it is that the pride could have ended up scoring twenty eight points if they had hit their five pointer. They didn't have to answer it obviously, uh, but if they'd hit if they had to answer their five pointer, um, they could have gotten to twenty eight. But twenty three points that's not a TKO. That's not good enough against some of the top competitors in in the schmodown. Um, I think the performances of deep 13, like I was saying, and final exam, both scoring. I mean, what I think, I think even deep 13 at the time tied the points record uh, in their teams, in their debut yeah. teams match that got broken by who's the boss, you know, a couple weeks, a month after that or something like that. But yeah, I think the real rejects, you know, we had a little bit of hope for them. I think early on, they definitely put themselves in a position to win. Greg Alba just did not have a good day. I know John Humphreys missed the three point question in in round three in the dance category. I mean, that's always a tough one. It's always going to be a really hard one. Um, but overall under underperforming in round one and uh, John Humphreys, if I, if I remember correctly, seeming to be the one who was answering most of the questions in round two, I just think that uh, maybe we'll see a team reshuffle. That's the beauty of the current reality of the Shmodan is that you, you take what's working well and you separate it from what maybe isn't working after a couple losses. I think you do have to go two losses before you break up a team, but there's potential to put John Humphreys, you know, with someone else, maybe uh, I don't know if he would even be interested in that. But if Winston might be thinking that direction, he has a couple. Uh, uh, sorry, I, did I say Winston? That's that's not what I meant. Um, usual Coy, suspects. Right. Or no, Coy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coy. I mean, Coy. Yeah. I mean, Brendan and and Bibiani are obviously off the table. But I mean, Tim Franco, we saw last year with uh, with Stacey Howard is to be a really strong, seemingly a really strong competitor there. Maybe John Humphrey, someone to place him with uh, if you're able to yeah. get Tim Franco in, you know, to LA for a team's match. Because if you look at the real rejects now, they're two and six, right? And at that, at that point, it feels like, Hey, this was maybe their last chance to prove, Hey, we can, we can still make this work as a team. Yeah. Obviously, you know, it's a different matter if they're like, Hey, you know, we're friends. We do our, this YouTube sure. channel together. We don't want to be on a team with anyone else. We're just in this for the fun of playing as friends. Yeah. And that's, that's totally fine. But Absolutely. if they are open to other things, this might be the time to, you know, split them up. Yeah. And, and I don't know what that, what John Humphrey's perspective is on that. I mean, I, I mean, we've seen in past years that he's been really strong. I mean, going as deep as he did in free for all, I think it was the first one, right? The first free for all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, always a little bit upstaging Greg as his partner in the team's matches. But like you said, this this may not be the kind of thing for him where he's interested in doing anything other than being Greg's partner. And that's totally fine. But if he is open to that, then I think there are options within the quirky Mercs for him to uh, potentially 
try a new partner or try a new setup. And maybe the IG tournament is a way to start that. The fact that they yeah. he's going to have an, a, a kind of a singles stage opportunity. And same for Greg Alba, to be fair, uh, to see what he can do and maybe make some waves. Because I think that I, if either of them won either of their matches, I think that would be viewed as a little bit of an upset. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned Tim Franco there. I think originally Tim Franco was going to be on a team with Haley Fouch. That was talked about. Yep. But as we talked about, maybe now that Perry is around, it seems like Perry and, and Haley are a natural fit. So maybe Tim Franco is looking for someone in, and yep. maybe one of those guys is going to be um, the, the option for him. But uh, yeah, so Scott, this was our, our final in-studio match uh, of, you know, for, for the time being. But Look, the, the Schmodown is not slowing down as we uh, got more info on this week with uh, the tournaments coming up. We are not going to talk about the Inner Geeks of tournaments today just because it's got it's a little it's in a few weeks. We're going to do that in a, a week or two, hopefully have another special guest on for that. Um, but we do want to talk about the Star Wars tournament, right, because it starts next week. Um, it's Absolutely. starting on the 20th, the 20th on Twitch. Um, and let's just go through these matches, right? Because we got the we got the bracket, uh, yep. and, and let's let's start with uh, Molly Damon and Adam Witt, two players who I guess are technically zero and one, right? We saw Adam Witt earlier this season uh, mm -hmm. lose to Sean Sullivan in a studio match, and then Molly Damon was in that match um, at Star Wars Celebration uh, last year, I believe it was. It was won by Joseph Scrimshaw. Yeah. Um, and and put on put on a pretty good showing, from what I understand. I don't think we've ever really seen much from that match. But um, who do, who do you like in this one? Obviously, you know Molly Damon. What she does have going for her is that she is married to the Star Wars um, and almost Lord of the Rings champ. <laughs> what a match, by the way! If you haven't seen the Lord of the Rings match and, you, and yeah. you have it available to you as a patron, go watch that match. But also make sure you go to the bathroom before. Cause it's, I'm pretty sure I've watched movies that were shorter than that match um, <laughs> recently. So yeah, I know Molly Damon here, Adam Witt, my heart so badly wants to pick Adam because he has that kind of ex recent experience and exposure. And I think he probably learned quite a bit from that match with Sean Sullivan, but I think he'd be crazy not to, not to pick Molly Damon in this match, even though she's only had that one non-traditional kind of four way match back over a year ago. Actually, I don't even know if it was over a year ago, but about a year ago now, maybe a little bit less. I can't remember when Celebration was last year. I think it was in April, actually. Yeah, so a so, little, yeah. little bit over a year ago. I think that you're crazy not not to pick her just because she is one or just around the knowledge well. Is it even failed to call him a well, like pit abyss? He's a knowledge abyss, I think. Just so much a bottomless pit of knowledge that is Alex Damon in Star Wars. But, you know, she's the one who probably quizzes him, <laughs> trains with him yeah. uh, more so than, than anyone else. I don't think Alex Damon's probably running Star Wars drills with anyone else uh, other than Molly. So I think that you're crazy not to pick Molly in that match. But I think that could be a, a low-key, very competitive match just because I think Adam probably learned a lot and has been probably singularly focused on studying for Star Wars since his match with Sean Sullivan earlier this year. And having that experience of, you know, recent experience of getting to understand where your weaknesses might lie in, in that sort of live match setting can be really beneficial because Molly doesn't have that as much. Um, yes, she played in front of a crowd and that certainly will um, get you some experience and, and and get you used to that setting. But I, I don't, uh, I, you know, that was over a year ago. Ring, We've talked about Ring Rust in other contexts before. Um, I think this will almost be like a sort of debut match for her. So we'll see if that has any effect on her, but I'm still going to go with her. What do you think, Scott? 
Yeah, no, I I tend to agree. And yeah, I showed the comment there, but Leo said he has Molly as well. If you're in the chat, tell us who you got in these matches. Um, we we'd love to hear your your input as well. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Molly Damon. I, I I feel like most of these matches, to be quite honest with you, are toss-ups, right? It feels like um there's yeah. a there's a lot of you know just people on equal footing here in the Star Wars division. Because I mean, Adam Witt, look, he was no slouch in that match against Sean Sullivan. He um hit his five he made a rookie move. Right. he had a really rookie move that i think really lost him the match in round two when he blurted out an answer i yeah. think on multiple um, choice before hearing all the options but he hit his five pointer he very easily could have won that match and he put up a good score for for a star wars player so could go either way but i think just for the reasons that you mentioned molly damon makes sense to go with yeah. um all right, Scott, we just mentioned him. Joseph Scrimshaw uh, is, is also in the tournament, unsurprisingly, and he is going up against someone who, again, I guess he's technically 0-2, but I said last week I think he's one to watch because I think he's really uh, getting uh, deeper into the showdown, and, and maybe because of that he probably is looking at this bracket and feeling like he got a little bit of a tough draw again, especially at 0-2, but I mean, I guess he is 0-2, right? So maybe he gets who you might say is the number one seed in the tournament if you if you have to, and that uh, is Scrimshaw. So uh, Scrimshaw, Demolanta, what do you think? Yeah, I think this this is probably my match to watch in the first round. If I had to pick one of the of the well, I guess technically five matches because you do have the play-in match uh, in that first round of matches here. It's this match. Like this is a huge match. I I am sure that people in the Fenstock Exchange are like, wow, what what do we have to do to catch a break? in the in the tournament draws because this is a really rough one i think that arguably scrimshaw is probably the, the number one seed i think if you look at the bracket maybe ken is the number one seed but uh i mean well laura kelly right was the last person to play in a star wars title match so i think yeah that's she fair. might be the person you would say is like the two or maybe one seed yeah yeah i was looking i was looking at ken primarily because he has the, the winner of the play-in but that doesn't always and he is a know. former champion i mean and he, yeah he is the only former champion in the star wars division that's in this tournament but yeah it, going back to this match i think i mean this is this is going to be an absolute heavyweight match i think Demolanta was in also, I believe, in that four-way or five-way at celebration that Molly Damon uh, was also in that Scrimshaw was in and won. And yeah, for me, Scrimshaw has just been around the Star Wars division for so long. He's had what two or three title shots, never been able to beat da Damon. Uh, I don't actually know if he's actually all, Weber, the, yeah. all the way to title shots. Actually, he may just had a bunch of number one contenders, um, but definitely had at least one title shot against Damon that he lost. And yeah, man, this is just such a such a tough one. I think that if I'm being honest, I don't know that much about Joseph Scrimshaw, so maybe I'm misrepresenting him, but I would be shocked if Andrew Demolanta doesn't want this more than Scrimshaw. I think he is such a hungry guy. I mean, you saw it last year in the match with Laura Kelly in the studio, right? He was pretty beat up after he lost that match by the thinnest of margins. And I think that being in the Finstock Exchange, look, I don't think you can emphasize how much of a benefit that is to be in that faction with those people who have the attitude that they have towards this game and really pushing you and Demolant is someone who seemed hungry and to have eight, nine other people around you who are just as hungry and want to help you get to where you want to go more. I'm going to go for the underdog here. I'm going to go for Demolanta. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Scrimshaw pulls it out time and time again. He proved he has proven that he is the pretty much like the number two competitor in this league behind Alex Damon. But I think that he may have been ar around the horn here one too many times and maybe just doesn't want it as bad as Demolanta is going to want it. Yes, Scott, I agree with you. This is my upset of round one, and I think you you have hit the nail on the head there of saying the Finstock Exchange, right? Like, look, we can analyze as much as we 
we want to, who has more knowledge, Scrimshaw, he's been, you know, he's been in the big moment before, um, you know, he may have lost, but he's been there as opposed to Demolanta. But look, you can't, you just can't take out of the equation the fact that the Finns suck exchange. They just win. That's what they do. Um, like so far this season, that's that's what they do. Uh, and I think that uh, Demolanta is not going to be the one, one is not going to be a person who wants to, uh, you know, end that streak of, of winning. And so I think he's going to go really all out for this match. Um, obviously, you know, it would not be a surprise in the slightest if Scrimshaw pulls it out. Yeah. But Maybe, uh, maybe I think just Demolanta will grind a little bit harder, as you said, um, and and I think he'll he will get the slight upset win here in, in round one. Yeah, uh, and the reality is, I think Scrimshaw just comes from an era of movie trivia where things just mattered a little bit less. I mean, clearly he's an incredibly smart guy; he knows so much about Star Wars. But we're in a different age of of the Schmodown now, where you just like people are willing to just absolutely grind, like to use your word there, absolutely grind out. Uh, studying, preparing, and winning these matches, and in a in a league like Star Wars, where really it's the thinnest of margins across all the leagues, even at this point, I think that extra you know one, two, three, four, five percent that you're willing to give and to prepare, I mean that can that can be the difference. And I think that I wouldn't be surprised if we're seeing a majority of these matches going to sudden death. Like I'll be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot of these matches go to sudden death. And yeah. that level of and commitment to grinding out studying and, and preparing and etc and just being mentally tough I, I think that that's going to be the difference in some of these matches and i think that demolanta might have the edge over scrimshaw on that yeah because like demolanta right his match with with kelly he lost but he missed like two questions in that match um yeah. and so it is just really fine margins in these matches obviously but yep. um Okay, we just mentioned her there. Laura Kelly, uh, Scott, she is taking on Sean Sullivan on the yeah. other side of the bracket. We'll let you uh, go you first know. this time. Sure. Uh, Kelly, you know, obviously had the last title shot in yep. the, the Star Wars division. She beat Demolanta to get there. Um, and Sean Sullivan has a win this year. He, he beat Adam Witt. He shook off some nerves in that match. Um, I wonder if the nerves are going to resurface a little bit because this is a tournament match. At the same time, I wonder if he's going to be more comfortable, not only because he's been here before, but because it's via Twitch, right? He's going to be at his house doing this match, probably. It's not in studio, under the lights, yeah. uh, all of that uh, stuff. And, you know, he showed that even even when he did uh, have have some nerves, um, he, he was able to get the win. He was able to show off a, a pretty wide berth of Star Wars knowledge against Wit. Um, I think Laura Kelly wants to get back uh to, to the top though she wants to get back to to get another crack at alex damon because she didn't have her best match in that uh match at spectacular for sure i think she is capable of of giving alex um a closer game obviously she did avoid the knockout in in round uh five in that match but it, at that point it was just kind of an elementary damon needed to hit i think i believe just one question to win yeah. the match and so she she was far behind going into that last round and i think that that has probably sat with her a little bit. And so I think she is going to be, you know, a, a little bit hungrier. She's in corruption, right? I believe that's her faction. She um, is, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I think Shannon, right, she needs the points. And so I think she's really going to be working with uh, Laura Kelly being her only player in, the, in this tournament uh, to, to make it at least to the championship of this tournament. Um, and, and so I think that I'm going to give the edge to the most recent number one contender in the Star Wars division and, and say Laura Kelly defeats Sean Sullivan. 
Yeah, and Leo Leo Logan agrees with you. He thinks that mm-hmm. Lara is going to go over Sean. I'm going to go out on a limb, and you know, you talked about your upset of round one being Demolanto over Scrimshaw. I think Sullivan is going to beat Laura Kelly, and I think for some of the reasons what that you described, I actually think is the it might be the reason why she doesn't come out on top. I think having a manager that is not her manager from last season is going to have a huge difference. It seems like she was really. I'm actually forgetting her old manager's name as well, so forgive me here. But was it? Yeah, I can't remember either. Someone tell us in the chat. I, I, it wasn't Alice or something like that. It might be Alice. But the point is, I think that I do think of the people in the Schmodown who could be a good replacement manager for her. I do think Shannon Barney is that person, actually. So I think it's a great matchup and a great pairing there, which gives me a little bit of hesitation in predicting this upset. But I think, again, that Sean Sullivan getting that first match, being the only person who got a match under his belt with a win so far this season, I think that's going to be a huge benefit to him, especially calming some of those nerves, like you were saying. And yeah, I just think that Laura Kelly is definitely probably wanting to redeem herself in that from that title match last season, which I think round three is the one that and you know, the combination of round two and round three, I think really set her back in that title match. But I just think that Sean Sullivan might be a little bit more uh, calm, cool and collected going into this and a little bit better prepared. I don't have the sense that Laura Kelly is in this in the competitive way that a lot of other people in in the league are. It seemed like she has an incredible wealth of knowledge from Star Wars, but I don't know how exactly tuned into the game she is and tuned into everything that's going on. I could very well be extremely wrong about this, and she comes out and absolutely blows Sean Sullivan out of the water, and I'll, I'll, I'll eat crow on our next episode of Champs Lunch when that happens, but I think for the time being... I think I'm going to pick Sean Sullivan uh, to win this. Uh, I think either way, though, and I'll, I'll show my hand a little bit. I think uh, the next match we're going to talk about, I think the winner of that match will probably be the one in the finals for me. But there you go. Well, let's just uh, get to it there since since you've teased it. Sort of a couple things to talk about here, right? Because we have a, a play-in match between yeah, that's true. Ace, Cab- Ace Cabrera and Josh Cavedo. Cavedo being uh, the player who was just traded um to the rock stars um, in that trade that, that sent JTE to the burning Drews. Yep. Um, and then the winner of that will face the former shower champion, Ken Knapsack. Um, I guess I'll, I'll go first again here. Um, I'm going to go with Josh Cavedo in yep. the play in game. Uh, I think he, he is an unknown obviously, but uh, I think Roxy is, is a savvy enough manager to, to the point where she knows what she's getting and uh, when, when she made this trade for JTE, right? Like we talked about the whole travel thing, but at the same time, he's a former team's champion. And so I think she's she knows that if she's going to trade someone like that, she needs to get something in return. And, and Josh Cavedo is maybe a chance for her to get an immediate return on her investment. Um, and Ace, we talked about it last week, right? His strength of Harry Potter in his inner geekdom match didn't go too well for him. So if, if that's his strength, that means Star Wars – is lower down in the totem pole. And so yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm sure he will study for this, but um, I, I think that I'm going to give the edge to the unknown player here in Cavedo. And then I think Ken Knapsack, I think this could be a close match again because we don't know what to expect from, from Cavedo. But I think that Ken, with us being in quarantine, right, with maybe him having a little more time in his hands to prepare, he made that long video uh you know what's a really long video (laughs) teasing that he you know is back and he he, maybe he's a little bit hungrier than he has been the last couple of times i think he will win a close match against josh cavedo to make it to the final four 
Yeah, so as far as that goes for Kaveto over Ace, two things. First, I will say, I think uh, Roxy actually came on backstage last week and talked about how she was ready to drop JTE just because she had no faith that he would be getting the match. And the fact okay. that R&B actually offered her something for JTE, she kind of uh, struck opportun- opportunistically there. So I'm not sure how much she was trying to deal a former team's champion more than just yeah. offload an, an asset that wasn't going to get to play a match. But I think... But that point being said, I think Josh Cavedo is going to triumph over Ace here. I, I do think that when Ace was on backstage a couple week, weeks ago talking about his match with Parker, I mean, he talked about how he wasn't necessarily sure Star Wars was the right division for him just because of the depth uh, of, of knowledge required. And maybe that's not necessarily how he approaches Star Wars. He obviously has a lot of Star Wars knowledge from his time hosting a Star Wars podcast, I believe with Ken when they were at Collider. Um, and, and so he has a lot of knowledge there, but I'm a little concerned about his concern about the Star Wars division when it comes to that. And so to have a player who is, you know, it seems like headfirst ready to go into the Star Wars League like Josh Coveta, it can go any other, uh, any any way, absolutely. But uh, because they're both unknown quantities in the realm of Star Wars, but I'm going to pick Coveto. And like you, I'm going to pick Ken. I think Ken uh, has been planning his return in the Schmodown ever since he was thrown to the draft by Christian and picked by Sam Levine. I know that there might have been some element of a secondary manager for uh, proxy for for Sam when he's not there for to have Ken there, but you don't draft a player if you're not going to play him. And the only place I think it makes sense to play Ken is in the Star Wars division. So I think Ken has been preparing for this for over five months now, maybe even longer. I don't know. And so his return to the Schmodown in the Star Wars division. I think he might be the person to beat in this tournament. I'll say it. I think that maybe people give him a little bit of crap just because he had a, a bad run there for a little bit, obviously losing maybe the greatest match in Schmodown history to Sam Witwer, certainly the best match in Star Wars uh, competition in the Schmodown, and then losing, a, I think, a triple threat to for the title against Damon and, and, and Scrimshaw, I believe it might have been, or, or maybe just a triple threat number one contender. I'm not exactly sure how that shook out even, uh, but he was kind of the the odd man out of that trio and that fatal three-way and i think that or sorry triple threat i think that that might have soured his i guess people's i don't know his prestige in the star wars league a little bit uh but i think he's going to come back stronger i I mean and i mean this literally stronger than ever uh having written the book recently also having uh the time and knowledge of knowing that he needs to prepare for this and wanting i'd imagine if he's going to go back into competition wanting to prove himself and so i think that he's going to be a really hard competitor to beat uh, in a division of really hard competitors to beat. Yeah, that's. I, I don't think that that is a, that is too far out of a take there f- for sure. Um, I, I like I said, I do think it'll be a closer match with Cavedo, but yep. you know he's a former champion for a reason. It wouldn't surprise anyone. I don't think if he yep. if he gets all the way back to Damon, but uh, I don't think there's going to be any blowouts in this. I mean, maybe I don't know. I don't know about Cavedo. Yeah, I don't, think so I don't even think that will be either. But I really don't think there's going to be any matches that are, are KOs. I'll be surprised if they are. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, okay, let's go back to the other side of the bracket. Uh, Molly Damon, Andrew Dimolanta, Scott. Who you got there? Oh man, man, I don't know. It would. Uh, it, it is a bit of a fantasy a to have Ale- yeah. Alex and Molly go inch- against each other for the title. That would be something else. Uh, but again, I think that if Andrew Demolanta can get past Joseph Scrimshaw, there is no reason why he won't be able to get past Molly Damon too. Uh, and I think that he's going to have that, like his match with Scrimshaw, he's going to have the experience of having played them again and have the benefit of 
both of those players not having played for a long time. Obviously, she'll have this first round match. She'll have played the first round match uh, if and when she plays him in the semifinals. But I think that, again, I just think that he's going to want it more. He's going to have trained just that extra little bit harder, even though, of course, she's going to be training with, I mean, presumably still training with Alex, even though uh, they would potentially be competitors if she were to win the tournament. I just, I, I have a hard time picking against Demolanta. Uh, we'll see how that shakes out when it gets to the finals. But for now, I'm going with Andrew. I agree, Scott. I think that, um, like you said, if if he can get past Grimshaw, right, to quote Michael Jordan, the, the ceiling is the roof. Um, and so I think that uh, I think that Demolanta, you know, I think the rich will get richer, yeah. uh, so to speak, with Finstock picking up some more points here in this match. Um, Leo disagrees with us. Understandable. Again, I think all of these matches are essentially coin flips, which is what's going to make this a really good tournament, a really fun yeah. tournament to watch, I think. Um, yeah. But I'm going to go with um, with Demolanta to to reach the finals with, you know, the Finstock Exchange label, perhaps doing some of the work for him there. Um, all right. Other match. Uh, you had Ken versus Sullivan. I had Ken versus Kelly. What do you think? I'm going with Ken. I, I, I said it before. I just I mean, literally just a few minutes ago. I think Ken is the person to beat in this tournament. I think he is going to want it more so now than ever. And I think Sean Sullivan, although a really strong performance is going to be required to beat Laura Kelly, I think that Ken is going to have more than he'll be able to handle. And I'll leave it at that. It's a close call for me because I, I don't agree. I mean, I, I agree with everything you're saying there. I, I understand that uh, Ken is, uh, you know, a, a real threat. And if he if he puts the time in and he uh, he wants this, then he can absolutely get himself back there. I think I will go with Laura Kelly, right? Just because I think that, um, I mean, look, we have the video from Ken. We have the fact that we're in quarantine or whatever. I, I think I just want to see a little more evidence perhaps that That's fair. Ken yeah. is really going the extra mile to, to um, you know, to, to, to get back to Alex Damon. And maybe, right, maybe he comes out in his first round match and he just destroys whoever he's playing. And at that point, I, I could definitely reevaluate and be like, okay, maybe he will take out Laura Kelly in this. But at the same time, she's been really impressive, you know, taking that title match out of the picture. Title matches are hard. Yeah. Um, you know, she hasn't missed very many questions. Um, and the last time we saw Ken play a match, like you said, he was very much the the odd man out in that uh, Damon and Scrimshaw uh, match. And so I am going to go with uh, Laura Kelly to, to reach the finals here. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see her there. Not at all. All right, who's going to win this tournament for you between Ken Napsok and Andrew Delalonza? Yeah, maybe I'm just going out way out on a limb here. I'm going to go with Ken Napsok. I think he, I think he's going to do it. Maybe it's not maybe I'm limb, crazy no. to think that. What do you say? Not at all. Not yeah. not at all. I don't think you're on a limb at all. Yeah, I think. Look, look, he could lose in the first round because you're right, Scott. I'm going out a little bit. I am going a little bit out on a limb and saying that he's definitely committed and definitely wants it. It's my perception that that's the case, and I'm inferring a lot from the fact that. He was he's kind of brought back in the league. There's nothing else he'd be studying for if not this and just kind of assuming that he wants it. If he doesn't want it, I think as soon as you get past that first round, maybe even in the first round, you're going to get eaten alive if you don't want the belt, if you don't want the title shot. Um, and I'm just going out on a limb and thinking that Ken wants it. And I think Ken wanting it and Ken wanting to be back in competition and in the league is is going to be really what drives him across the final. And so I think he will beat Demolanta in the final. There you go. You're not crazy, or or if you are, then so is Leo, because he also yeah. has uh, Ken winning it all. Scott, 
I know this just sounds crazy, right? I'm picking an 0 and 2 player to win the whole thing. Yeah. But I believe in in Andrew Demolanta, and maybe more than that, I believe in Bobby Gucci um, to to get him there and to to at least get him into that title match. Don't know if he has what it takes yet to to challenge Alex Damon. But again, I think if it gets to this point that I'm predicting it to Demolanta versus Kelly, right? I'm sure that. The first match that they played is all he's been thinking about in the few months that have transpired since that match and, you know, have are leading up to this match. And so if there's anyone in this tournament he wants to beat, I'm sure it's her. Right. Because he was he was an answer or two away from uh, from from getting there. And so, you know, he could very easily lose in the first round. But anyone can in this tournament. Anyone can. And so I yeah. think uh, I'll probably look like a fool uh, in a couple of weeks time. but. Yeah. I'm going with Demolanta. I'm going to say that the Finstock Exchange gets that cash, continues to get that cash, um, and that uh, we will see Damon and Demolanta in the next title match. Yeah, it's pretty wild. If 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 Andrew Demolanta forget winning, just even gets to the finals of this tournament, the lead that the Finstock Exchange will have at the top of this table going into the Intergeekdom Tournament, where they also have Barbarian competing. I mean, my goodness, people, people, it's going to be like, uh, uh, who's the swimmer? I'm forgetting the Olympic swimmer who just finished. Oh, who, Katie Ledecky. Yeah. yeah Katie Ledecky. It, it will be who, like that. Yeah. Who lapped everyone in, in one of the races that she went the gold yeah. medal in last year. When it's the finish line and literally no one else is in the shot. Uh, that's going to be the Finstock exchange. If Andrew DeMolanta can put this tournament together, which, Hey, I think it's very possible that he will. And, and that's, a, you said it already so many times, but that's the beauty of this tournament, the, how thin the margins are going to be how good all these competitors are. And this is why this is the tournament that's going on Twitch, right? It's as amazing as the inner geekdom is going to be and, and how excited I am for a 16 person tournament, which we'll talk about on the next episode. There's going to be some chaos in the, in that tournament. Like there's definitely going to be some chaos in that tournament. I don't see that happening here. I think almost every match is going to go down to the wire almost here in the, in the star Wars tournament. And to have that as sort of your centerpiece display for live, Let's put this on Twitch and see and see what Skybound can do to promote this and, and and get eyes on this channel. I think this is why this tournament's being chosen for that. I agree. I think that um, I I hope the turnout will will be there for it. And I mean yep. personally, I think it will be. Um, again, we're still in quarantine. What else are people going to do? Um, yeah. Uh, so so there you go. Uh, Scott going with Ken Napsock. I'm going with Andrew De Andrew Demolanto. We could both be wrong. We probably w will both be wrong. Who knows? I look but, forward to an Adam Witt, Sean Sullivan rematch in the final. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but um, that should just about do it, I think, Scott, for, for today's Champs Lunch. Um, next time, like I said, we will talk about the Intergeekdom Tournament. We will go through the matches in that. Uh, you know, look for another stream next week or in a couple weeks uh, where we do that. Um, but... Uh, where can we find you on Twitter? Where can our listeners find you on Twitter, Scott? Yeah, absolutely. At Shelton2013 over on Twitter, where you can tell me how wrong my uh, Schmodown opinions and Star Wars picks are. And if you're watching on the stream, my handle is right there. Uh, at Scarby Dent is where I'm at on Twitter. Um, so hit, hit me up on there. Um, yeah, again, do the same thing. Tell me how I'm an idiot for picking an 0-2 player to win it all. But please check out everything else that's going on on feature presentations here on this channel. Um, tomorrow, 5 p.m. Eastern, uh, episode two, edition two of the, the quotation game uh, that Anthony and Christina host is going to be going on here on the channel. Anyone can get in on that, I believe. So just uh, show up at five, hop in the chat for that right here on this channel, Sunday at five FPTL as always. Um, 
I've, teams have already been picked for that. But again, if you if you want to play sometime in the future, join the Facebook group, find out about all the other great shows and stuff that are going on here. And, you know, Tony will get you into uh, into a trivia match or whatever you want to do here. There's again, there's a lot of great programming here. So yeah. please check out everything that this channel has to offer. Please check out everything that our podcast feed as well has to offer uh, on your preferred podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you, you get your podcasts. We're on the Some Like It Scott feed. Um, you can find Champ's Lunch there. You can find uh, Some Like It Scott, which is our weekly movie podcast. We're also doing our Nolan Countdown series, right? Because Tenet is still on right now, fingers crossed. Uh, and so until we hear that it has been, uh, you know, taken out of theaters and, and moved, then we're going to be, we're going to keep releasing our Nolan Countdown series that we've been doing. Episode one is already out following next week. Memento is coming out again, assuming that um, that tenant doesn't get pulled before then. Uh, so look for those on our, our podcast feed as well, because we've had a lot of fun doing those. Uh, and please, you know, keep the keep an eye out for our next champs lunch stream who knows maybe next week maybe in a couple of weeks but we will be talking about the intergeeks tournament when that happens yeah big uh, thank you to adam collins coming on as well yes of course thank you thank you for reminding me i wanted to say that big thank you to adam it was great if you're if you joined us late please go back and watch the conversation because he had a lot of interesting things to say um and we wish him all the best in, in the schmodown uh i think that's it scott uh for scott shelton uh i'm scott harvey this has been champs lunch we will see you next time Thanks for listening.